Hey now, it's Mike Gilbert, host of the Mike and JD Show, right here on the Voices of Wrestling Podcasting Network. Join JD by God Oliva and myself every Thursday night live on the Voices of Wrestling YouTube channel at 11.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time as we stay up all night discussing all the hottest stories in professional wrestling. You can also check us out right here on the Voices of Wrestling podcasting feed or you can subscribe to the Mike and JD Show feed. Now, enjoy the show. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Hey there, Thunder Buddies and Travelers Down Thunder Road. It's us, Days of Thunder, the WCW Thunder Rewatch podcast that you didn't ask for, but we did anyway, coming to you as part of the Voices of Wrestling podcast network and powered by LargeManAppears.com. I'm your host, your Korok Defender on Thunder Road, Dave Ryan. And I am joined not by Lee Malone again this week. We have another uh, guest joining us in the uh, the co-captain's chair, uh, joining us uh, on loan from the Must See Matches podcast. It's Kieran. Kieran, how are you, my friend? I have heard the call of the soldier, and I'm ready to get <laughs> fundamental. I'm your uh, Korok seed. This, yeah. uh... <laughs> I, I think Kieran DM'd me to, to offer his services very kindly for this show, and I, I we're going to get into how quickly he may have regretted it, uh, because I, I jumped on the chance immediately to have you on. Um, I have enjoyed my 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 hat trick of appearances now on on your very fine podcast, and uh, I feel like I'm thanking you for that by subjecting it like this this is like the the sliding doors of if you've done a podcast about bad wrestling you're going to go <laughs> return to your podcast now and appreciate all the more that you've gone with good stuff well i do also do a podcast about bad wrestling once a month yes, with andy ogden you so, do um, yeah and you would be surprised at how much i enjoyed this episode to be honest yeah okay well we, we will get into that mm. um but i suppose firstly what i've been asking every guest and this is kind of just uh something i'm always fascinated in people i have conversations with uh, about wrestling and it's a while before i ever get round to this so i'm going to ask you straight out like what's your history with like where where do you come on as a wrestling fan generally and when did wcw first come across the bow for you well i am far older than your usual guests um i just moisturize a lot uh <laughs> and i actually started watching wrestling when it was still called world of sport in this country Ooh. yeah my nan was like an armchair handbag swinger she loved yelling at the heels and cheering on kid mccoy and uh big daddy and such so were you, I would a, get, were you well, a big daddy or a giant haystacks man well i guess like as a small child you 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 cheer along the goodies along mm. with your family but mm. there was one uh, person in my family one heel who was massively respected he was my mother's favorite wrestler yeah and that was rollerball rocco 
Oh, okay. He was like he was like the family favorite, and he was. Uh, it was always like I know he's a baddie, but he's really good. Was like how my mum kind of described him, and I kind of realized that as I as I like my formative years of watching, and then WCW. The very first time I would have seen WCW was it was shown very late at night in my ITV region towards mm. the end of nineteen ninety one. And yeah. one of my friends like gave me a tape and it had the build to Halloween Havoc 91 and all the discussion of the Chamber of Horrors match on it. Oh. Yeah. So I watched that through a couple of times before giving it back. And then it arrived like Saturday afternoons in 92. And from then until it was taken away when Nitro became a thing. Um, so like 92 to 95, I watched it yeah. every week until it got terrible, including the stuff when Hogan and his mates turned up. Yeah, that was like, that was Lee's era of watching WCW originally. Mm. So he was like a WCW fan before I was. But then because of the hiatus he took, I end up being more of a, like, mm. I hasten to say expert. But I, I'm I'm at least more inured <laughs> to this period. Yeah, I'm like, nothing about this period shocks me. It's just the only thing that usually shocks me is like things happening sooner or later in the timeline than I remember. Because, you know, when you're like eight or nine year old, you don't have yeah. any concept of the passage of time. No. No, so, like, growing up, I didn't have satellite or cable. I didn't get any access, real access to cable until 2001, I think. Yeah. 2001, 2002, when the girlfriend I had at the time had cable in her flat. Mm. Um, so I never watched, really watched WWF. That was only on tapes that were borrowed from people or bought. Yeah. Like, WCW was my thing. Um, yeah, and then, like, once... Uh, once it was only shown on Turner stations on cable and satellite, like I had no, I didn't see Nitro for years. Yeah. Until really, I mean, I saw it scattered, but then uh, once the network like put up the whole run, like I yeah. watched all of that through, but I think <laughs> I was done with the network by the time they put all the funders on. Yeah. Um, so the, the stuff I've watched for this, um, I've watched the broadcast versions. I found okay. and watched the broadcast versions. So I watched for the for this show. I watched um, mm. uh, last week's Thunder, the the one you did with Joey. Uh, mm. I watched the Nitro, and I've watched this Thunder. Okay. I should also say I haven't been on Cage Match, and if you want to play the What's on the Pay Per View game, as this is a go home show, feel free because I have oh. written down what I think the card is, judging by the three episodes of WCW television I've watched. Excellent, excellent, <laughs> and be prepared to be extremely wrong. Uh, going on <laughs> just going on past form i will tell you what has been promoted on tv yeah, then how you, you about that and we'll you see like, how close i get you'll either be way off or you'll like the, the lee's two settings are he's either way off or he mm. nails about 70 percent of them and then like the remaining three matches he doesn't get are the most pull a random name out yeah. of a hat sort yeah. of situations wcw would did have a habit particularly at this time of like setting up most of a pay-per-view card and then just picking two or three matches from the random house show loop and chucking them on TV. Hmm. Yeah. yeah. Or on pay-per-view, rather, is what I mean. I, I was really hoping when you started that, that story about your wrestling fandom and you talked about watching World of Sport that you were going to say you finally made the switch to WCW when Giant Haystacks made the move to WCW. <laughs> I was like, well, if Haystacks is on, I got to start watching this. <laughs> I have latterly seen uh, Loch Ness slash Giant oh, Haystacks nice. in WCW, and uh, let's say I preferred him as Giant Haystacks yeah. on Saturday afternoons. H- half Irish, 
uh, giant haystacks. <laughs> Fa- father, I believe, was from uh, one of my favorite places to say out loud in Ireland, Ballyhonus in County Mayo. Um. Anyway, I suppose yeah. let's let's not beat around the bush anymore and 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 head into uh, Thunder episode seventy, which came to us from Birmingham, Alabama. Eighth uh, of July, nineteen ninety nine, garnering a two point eight rating. So, starting to creep back up. There was a big dip to about a two point six, two point seven there for a couple of weeks. Mm. Uh, slowly going back up. Uh, I don't know. Again, this time of year, I'm trying to think. Middle of July. There's not a lot of like the NBA finals are over probably and football hasn't started yet. So that might have something to do with it. Like unless I'm not sure when the baseball season runs, Meaning that, that might be. It co- does mention when they start like there, it's currently scorching temperatures in the U S which I guess yeah. is they get out for everybody's outside soaking up the sun yeah. at 8 PM rather than watching thunder. Oh, uh, the, the, the long proud history of, uh, wrestling executives mm. pulling excuses out of their arses. Um, it was too hot. It was too cold. It was raining. It was windy it was perfectly fine conditions for wrestling and they still yeah, didn't the, turn up yeah the Westminster dog show was yeah. on <laughs> yeah. uh, all, all sorts of weird and wonderful excuses apart from like your show is just terrible and no yeah. one wants to watch it um, as you said uh, today tells us there are record setting temperatures that are baking the US coast co- uh, the US coast to coast we are now 72 hours out from Bash at the Beach which kind of just the way we've been running on the Thunders and the Nitros lately, um, I'm kind of surprised that it, it just felt like there was no urgency in formulating this pay-per-view card until this show. Has it just kind uh, of snuck up on you? It's just one of those where like, you can kind of get the feeling when they're heading towards the end of a pay-per-view cycle, usually. Mm. But this very much felt like until this show, I knew maybe two matches and at some point in the last week, somebody looked at the calendar and was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I had to start putting stuff together. Fuck, we've got a building booked in Florida on Sunday. Yeah, yeah. they turned, they, they went from like being like in it, like just lying back in a hammock to like Homer trying to put together the barbecue. <laughs> like a grill. What the hell is that? And now we have a pay-per-view. Mm. Um the uh, oh, one of our, our everyone's favorite tropes in wrestling is teased straight up. Can Kevin Nash trust Sting? Oh, These yes. crazy tag team partners here and they can't coexist. Apparently not. Apparently not. Larry says that Nash is treating this match like he's by himself. This this tag team match. Mm. There's going to be more on that and it's going to be even more frustrating. And at one point when an announcement was made regarding that tag team match on this show, I think I heard the screams of Lee Malone from 50 kilometers away from me. <laughs> I definitely heard the incredulity of Mike Tanay on commentary. It, like, uh, it was like he couldn't believe what he had actually just heard. Like for real. Not just yeah. as the character of the professor. Yeah, there's like... So Tony and Brain are are two guys who like have long since abandoned the pretense of if they don't like something, they're not just going to try and fake it. Like they're not outright burying stuff necessarily yet, but they're definitely not hamming it up. Whereas Tanae, until this show, is trying to be 100% professional, but even he is barely able to mask contempt for yeah. a, cer- a certain <laughs> stipulation later in this show. Yeah. Uh, which is great. Um, so we get a, an extended a series of flashbacks, etc. Mm. Uh, flashback to Nitro uh, with Team Madness. Sid says they can do whatever they want. We then cut to Nash and Tori backstage who challenge Sid for that night. Um, hey, Kieran, did you recognize 
the backstage setup from anything in particular during this segment? Um, so I re- I realised what it was as it happened towards the end of the show. So this Nitro, I'm going to say from the start, was terrible. It yep. was th- three hours long, uh-huh. and the version I got not only had all the stuff that the network had cut out put back in, but also had all of the backstage blasts put in that would run on direct TV during the ad breaks. So legitimately, this is two hours and 57 minutes long for me. And I took notes on it. Oh, God. Um, Yeah. This Nitro not only has a live performance of I Hate Rap, the live performance of Megadeth doing Crush Em with (laughs) the return of Goldberg. Yeah. The return of Bret Hart in his first in-ring promo after the death of Owen. Yeah. It also is the setting for Send for the Man, (laughs) which I think is what Dave was getting at. Oh, yes. Yeah. And I only realized as they got to that section at the end of the show and Savage is running into the room, I'm like, wait a minute. Oh, no. I know what's (laughs) happening next. Yes. The infamous Send for the Man botchamania moment Mm. uh, of uh, Randy storming in an insane mood backstage and Tori laughing at him and him slapping her mm. uh, very uncomfortably uh, yes this is the moment like as soon as I saw Tori was backstage and he was in the ring in a glittery jacket I was like oh this is it this is it I what almost is... switched back to the Nitro to watch it but, you know <laughs> I don't I, I, am a, I live a context free life on this program yeah what is interesting is like on the version I had it then cuts to the backstage blast after that so they had another one after the show had finished and it's Ted DiBiase and some guy called Chad at a desk who apparently needed to do commentary for some other reason I don't know okay. why they needed a second commentary team but Ted is legitimately disgusted <laughs> you can see on his face yeah. like, and he verbalizes it like he says it's disgusting Savage is out of control nobody should treat women like that and he looked like he believed every word he was saying like mm. he was going to go and have a word with Randy after they went off the air interesting interesting mm. uh, on the day that it's announced that Ted DiBiase has said uh, <laughs> during his trial he's suffering memory mm. issues yeah worker till the end um so we flash forward then to Sid, Macho, and definitely not Sting, uh, beating down Sting. They're like the fake Sting thing. It's ne- like it's never been good. It's On this Nitro, good. there were three Stings, and only one of them was Steve Borden. There was a short guy that um, the uh, uh, Piper called out, who was obviously supposed to be a fake. So you mean RPVP? Oh, let's not get into that. Um, uh, there was. Uh, this guy, I think, was Je- actually Jeff Farmer, mm-hmm. or at least I don't know Jess Farmer, his brother, like someone yeah. who looked close enough to look it's like a fake Sting. The Farmer family business dressed yeah. up as Sting. <laughs> yeah, they're Sting farmers. They farm Stings. That's what yeah. they do. Um, and then Steve Borden, obviously. But the bit I liked about this is that Nash, after being poked in the eyes, couldn't tell the difference between a Sting yeah. wearing a coat and a Sting not wearing a coat. Yeah. And powerbomb the wrong one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, that, you see, that, uh, like, suspension of disbelief comes from the same school of thought of Lois Lane not being able to tell the difference. Between, yeah. <laughs> not being able to tell the Clark Kent to Superman just because of a pair of glasses. <laughs> it's like, uh, jacket or not, that's the same dude. <laughs> yeah. You know? But, like, um, uh, uh, after it, like, Sting, the real Sting, gets up and grumpily walks out. So he sort of sells the power bomb for a bit. The cameras are, yeah. are on long enough for him to walk out. And I was like, imagine putting all that face paint and shit on just for that. I really hope they shot a load of other stuff with him that day. 
Yeah. Although it's the same with like the, the double or nothing pay-per-view where Luchasaurus came out with Christian at the beginning of the ladder match, bumped yeah. fists and walked backstage. I'm like, did you really put on all your get-up yeah. to do that? Thankfully not, but... <laughs> but it's like half of Sting's AEW run, as great as it is, and I love it every time, oh. is like Sting puts on this elaborate face paint to walk out and point at somebody. Have you seen Dynamite? Yes, I have. Yes, exactly that, pretty much. Yeah. As I tweeted out during the show, is like a, a hilarious amount of Brian Cage's AEW yeah. run has been fleeing in terror from Sting. Like, yeah. <laughs> I, It was only in that moment that I was like, this is the same sh-. He was doing exactly this as part of Team Taz when Sting showed up first. I, yeah. um, I'm here for it. I'd run away from real estate, Steve. That's, that's hey, well, sure. you know. Uh, apparently, but, uh, yeah, I think the, Cage the more- signed for five more years to do just that, so... <laughs> yeah. If that's how you get your bag, that's how you get your bag. Hey, look, you know, he didn't have to take a bump. So who's yeah. who's, who's the worker, eh? Yeah. Um, yeah, I feel like the, you know, the, the fake sting thing has never been good. And then, like, the more time goes on and the fake sting thing is redone, it becomes, like, less credible and more of a rib on sting that the, the idea that these <laughs> men look physically similar in any way. Um, oh, and and then that would, of got, course, you've uh, still got the Jarrett match to go with the ten Sting. <laughs> yes, and the, but then this would also over time, like obviously, evolve into the Sting disguising himself as Sting. Yes, bit, which is like a legendary <laughs> bit in pro wrestling as yeah. well. So you know, like, we can't complain too much. Uh, so yes, uh, as you said, real Sting made the save, and Big Nash, who, who got poked in the eyes, gets confused and power bombs the wrong Sting, even though they look nothing alike. Um, so then we get uh, our first actual uh, Thunder segment. That's Big Sexy coming out in his high vis polo shirt. Only um, slightly better than the jorts and sandals combo he filmed the Savage and Nash the movie in the previous mm-hmm. week. This uh, this is also the segment where I nearly just turned off the recording straight away uh, because this is him declaring that as a champion, he gets privileges. So he's putting the world title on the line in a tag team match. Yes. I thought we- the rights and privileges the heavyweight champion had would be things like business class airfare, maybe yeah. a bigger cut of pay-per-view revenue, yeah. first in line at catering. No, no, no. Apparently yeah. it's to add stupid steps to your own matches and put yourself at a, a disadvantage. <laughs> I was actually preparing for with the level of sleaze that he'd been coming across in his backstage segment the last two shows. I thought he was going to say amongst his privileges is like prima nocta. <laughs> that he was just going to like, you know, the, the world champion gets who he wants or something like that. Because this is 99. Well, he's picked uh, two this, of them, isn't he? Yeah, this is it. Like, and they like they seem, even though it doesn't appear. Now, you may be able to fill me in. Although I, I'm not sure if there was any more contacts added to Nitro. George, Gorgeous George doesn't seem to be an active hostage anymore, but also doesn't seem to be back with Macho. Yeah, you, you, <laughs> you've kind of nailed it, really. Like she she was off screen getting changed during the the terrible opening segment with uh, Savage and Sid in the ring and Nash backstage. Um, for most of that, by the way, on the Nitro broadcast, you can't hear Nash. He sounds like the teacher from Peanuts because they haven't piped his audio through. Yes, exactly that. Uh, and then uh, George comes out, as she did in the clip here, comes out um, and says, I heard Randy and turns to the camera and they don't make enough of a deal of it. The point is she's wearing a Kevin Nash T-shirt. Mm-hmm. So you're supposed to think, oh, maybe he's won her over. Yeah. But then like. I think if I was George, I would quite willingly go with Kevin Nash after yeah. Randy Savage stormed backstage, smacked another woman around, and then he chases her into a corner off screen. Like, he's terrifying. 
Was there any uh, was there anything explained about how Tori ended up back with Kevin Nash after being voluntarily handed over to Sid and Macho at the end of Thunder last week? Now you mention it, there wasn't. <laughs> well, that's weird. <laughs> I guess he just gave her back again. Yeah, he's just like, oh, I could use this. I could use Tori as leverage, or I could just not. You know, no. Uh, maybe she came with like a return postage envelope or something. I don't know. <laughs> So, shipped her back so um yeah nash uh, explains then that if anyone pins him including his own tag team partner <laughs> they win the belt yeah fuck off <laughs> nash's character is that of the cool baby face who can outsmart all the heels yeah but this is the this is a step the heel authority figure puts on a babyface champions yeah. match to screw with him and to incentivize yeah. the guy's partners to turn on him. Yeah, this is it. Like he, his whole thing is that he's worried about Sting turning on him. So now he's basically offering Sting yes. a free shot at the title. Just make it a fucking four way. Yeah, <laughs> that that like it, now if he had said champions like my champions prerogative, I can't trust Sting, so I don't want him behind me. I want him in front of me. Fatal four way. Yes. that would have made so much more yes. sense. You have already rebooked WCW to make more sense. Well done. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and that's just like one. Like if someone had paused for five seconds to yes. think about it, I did like how this was the moment where Mike Tanay go uh, where he's uh, uh, Nash says I'm putting the world title on the line, and Tanay just out loud goes in a tag team match. Like, he genuinely can't believe what he's just seen. Yeah, the disgust. Like, we have come full circle from the start of Thunder, where we saw uh, the tag titles being defended in singles matches for several months. (laughs) Yeah. To now, singles belts being decided in tag team matches. Yes. All hope is lost. I also like the the end of this segment. uh, Like It's Nash's birthday, according to a sign held up by some jiggly-chested young women, who he then invites to come with him. Uh, He will turn 40 the next day. Incredible. Um, Tell you, looking well. Yeah. Uh, Larry Zabisco asks, so how old is he now? And smartly wishing to keep his job, Mike Tanay completely ignores him and just barrels on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I imagine yeah, I imagine at that time he would have been quite touchy about the, the big the big number. Mm. Um, we he get Flair. He hasn't dropped the hair dye quite yet, has he? Not, not quite yet. Not Silver Fox Nash yet. No. Uh, one of my favourite Nash periods, to be <laughs> fair. Um so, uh, Flair and his cabinet are backstage. Uh, Malenko bursts into the room with all the charisma of a wet sponge and calls Flair a coward for pulling out of a match with him because of a back injury. And it is during this segment that very nonchalantly it is dropped that, and you must have seen this then, that David Flair is now the United States champion. Yes, I saw the handing over of the title belt. The handing over. Yes. So, okay. on, I, I know you like to live context-free. I'm sorry. Yeah, but this is all news to me now. Okay. So, on Nitro, uh, Gene Oakland is interviewing Flair. Uh, Flair and Gene have chosen the same color suit for some reason. Uh, <laughs> Shivani comes out with a cracking line, David Flair has no wrestling ability and the fans don't appreciate that, which was so on the nose. <laughs> There's a reason um, on this program his full name is Gormless Idiot David Flair. Yeah, yeah, that's how I've referred to him in most of my notes. Uh, yeah. So Flair, uh, Scott Steiner was the US champion and Flair just strips him. Yeah. I don't know if it's for not defending he's, it enough. He's, or... he's injured okay. at the moment. Yeah. Yeah. He, uh, he's, he, just... he's gone to like the, the end of the summer. Yes. Uh, so he, uh, he, he strips uh, Steiner the title and awards it to David. Um, He also says Dave is number one contender to the world title by virtue of beating Nash by count out last week. So that's good enough to make him US champion. That's the logic behind it. 
There's something I didn't alert you on, Karen. That I, I'm kind of, I'm ensnaring you. This, this might be considered entrapment in some states. God damn it! Is that Have I, I got to put on the Catherine Zeta Jones cat suit? I, I, I didn't want to give you time to think about this ahead of time. Mm. But we're missing continuity, Malone. So a decision must be made by somebody in the co-pilot's chair. Oh here. no! Scott Steiner was the linear oh. martial arts division champion when he went out injured. Oh, this is responsibility. And we are left with a choice here. Mm. And that is, does it stay with Scott for the months that he remains injured, which is something we haven't done before? We mm. stripped wrath upon his injury. Okay. So this or, but the the alternate is... <laughs> David Flair. <laughs> David Flair is the martial arts division <laughs> champion. <laughs> now, mm. as an agent of chaos, I know what my, where my vote lies. <laughs> Which is why I'm biased here. Well, I mean, uh, does the World Martial Arts title abide by the the other rules? The the rules of the w, other WCW titles, where if you don't defend within thirty days, you are stripped. Um, I, I think the one rule we have set we have seemed to set for it so far, without necessarily saying it out loud, is that if you do get a long term injury, you're stripped. Then I'm afraid I might have to side with the agent of chaos and and oh, move it over word. to to Flair Junior. There's two people, at least two people, who might be massively annoyed by this. One okay. is Lee for not being here to make this decision. <laughs> and two, I really hope, because I didn't, I've, I've never actually opened the full list, but a friend of the show and listener, Kim Geist, did the full trying to figure out where it is now. Right. Gamed it out from 1998. And I'm not sure... If this completely fucks that. Oh. <laughs> but have we created a parallel universe? But it was only it it was only I had already fucked up the timeline anyway a little bit because it was only alerted to me recently I forgot to take the belt off Booker T when he lost to oh. Scott Steiner. So I I gave Booker T a lot more credit for having that belt than he was due. Um I think I think we shift it over to David Flair and yeah. uh we see if there's any point where the timelines reconverge and it ends up where it's supposed to be. Yeah. I think it could go some very strange places <laughs> with David Flair. Which and is I why also I'm assume like, David Flair has even less martial arts ability than he has pro wrestling ability. Because also, if I remember right, like it's the less fun route to keep it on Scott. Because when Scott comes back, they kind of just resume pushing him. So mm. like he's he's not dropping that title anytime soon after he comes back, I don't think. Mm. Um, and he's already had it for, like if we're officially stripping him now, he's had it for nearly three months, which is a respectable reign. Yeah. Very little, very few defences. I've barely seen him. But he's had it for three months nonetheless. So mm. that's it, unfortunately. Uh, Scott Steiner, you've you've lost your martial arts division title to gormless idiot David Flair. I'm not worried about Lee finding out and getting angry. I'm not worried about Kim finding out and getting angry. I'm worried yeah. about Scott Steiner finding out I've just stripped him of a title. <laughs> yeah, look, we've got an entire ocean between us and that man, Fair. so I, I think it's going to be fine. Um, and now David Flair, for once, his eyes are welling up, not with the tears of being out of his depth, but with the tears of <laughs> being a double champ. Double champion. Right now. My God. Um, so, yes, this Malenko segment is, is fairly embarrassing. Um, it's terrible. It's, so I used to be a performing arts student. I've seen my fair share of bad improv, and this is bad improv. Like, Malenko tries four times to get off his next line to Arn Anderson, and Flair yeah. just talks over him every time. Mm. Did you notice sexy Arn with his gams on display? White short shorts yep. and sockless loafers. It's oh. it's a whole lot of leg. <laughs> yeah, oh, it's hot iron summer. It sure is. Um, uh, I, as, I, a, as a performing arts student, do, like, do you find it difficult to watch shows like Barry? 
I've where there's only like people seen... doing bad acting in it. Uh, yeah, see, when when acting is supposed to be bad, I don't mind it. And I'm also a fan of bad movies. So I love The Room. I love Birdemic. Yeah. Uh, Miami Connection is yes. maybe my favorite of that kind of oeuvre, if you like. Um, yeah. Unfortunately, I've only seen, I think, the first two episodes of Barry. Oh, because I lack any any legal means to watch it in this country. Ah, uh, I see. But uh, I, see. I am aware it's now finished, and I do want to... Yeah. I've wanted to watch all of it I, since I saw those I, two episodes. I have always been very impressed with the ability of good actors to do a credible job of acting badly. Yes, it's the Les Dawson thing, isn't it? You have yeah. to be able to play the piano well to be able to play it as badly as he did for show. Yeah, yeah. It's, for sure. Uh, it, it, it's it's really incredible stuff also i will shout in the canon of horrendous movies i am a jim carter fan i've uh, not yet seen that i have seen i've seen the famous the famous fight scene oh uh, with the pommel horse in the middle yeah. of the village yes yes, yes. yes. Uh, and i have i've listened to at least two podcasts about it but yeah. i've never got around to seeing it itself it's, it's on my list for sure it's iconic. It truly is. We used to have a, a uh, my group of friends had a thing we called the Brain Trust House of Horror. It was like every time we got together for a night of drinking, we would like one of us, it would be our turn to nominate a movie. And mm. like one by one, they all like broke our brains. The one that broke mine was um, a Korean horror movie named Chaw mm-hmm. about a, a, a pig that kills people. Okay. But like in the course of this movie, Chaw, more people are killed by falling down a hill than are killed by <laughs> the pig. Directly anyway. Incredible. Um, so that broke me. Then Birdemic broke friend of the show, Keith Brony, in pieces. Mm. Um, his only comment after the movie was, everybody dies alone. I'm so sad. Uh- <laughs> I've met the director of Birdemic. Oh, the master of the romantic thriller. Yes. I uh, I used to work on the fringes of the movie industry. My job uh, involved a lot of uh, red carpet premieres. So over the course of 10 years, I filmed over 300 red carpet premieres. I've shot tons of press conferences and interviews. Mm-hmm. And we, when Birdemic got its very limited release in this country, James Nguyen came over and we shot an interview with him. And my interviewer for the whole 15 minutes was trying to work out if it was an act or not. Yeah, and we came out of it. And he's like, I genuinely cannot tell, like, yeah. if he's the real deal or if it's a put on. That's great because that's like when you watch Birdemic and you're like looking at that guy, uh, the main actor, and you're like, is this the worst acting I've ever seen or an incredible bit that I'm not getting? <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. I, do, I, I don't know. I still don't know to this day. <laughs> great movie, terrible movie, but yes. great movie. Um, but yes, this was this was not an award winning performance from either Malenko or any of the guys in the no. cabinet, and it's it's very badly mic'd as well. Like I feel the audio was horrible. Could you also hear under Arn Anderson what appears to be the director bleeding into the comms headsets? Yeah, because I could hear I, all I could hear was spin around, and then when they get in the ring. You can hear yeah. that under Arn talking, and I I replayed it several try, times trying to work out exactly what it was. Mm. It's uh yeah, it's a it's a real bad look. Like I'm 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 noted as a as like being really down on flair and this whole thing during this period. He's like bad. He he's bad and he's like he's just given up. Like he's just do like I think I described I can't remember what was the show with Joey or the one a couple of weeks beforehand with um God what show was it? I can't remember if it was the one with Aaron, but there was any there was one anyway where I was talking about how like this is Butland's flair. Yeah, this he's on like, autopilot. He, He's packed it in. He's mm. just doing the flare bits. Like yeah. he's not putting any. There's nothing behind the eyes. Like he's not there. 
um, phoning it in and there'll be more of it later mm-hmm. uh, Aaron has a weird like thinking he's clever cryptic line at the end of this about how he predicts a big power swing real soon yes uh, it comes then, off like he's going to stab Flair in the back and become president himself yeah which he doesn't <laughs> but <laughs> um, we go back to Nitro for what I thought was a fabulous segment <laughs> which was uh, Doug Dillinger sitting at an enormous laptop definitely not downloading porn uh, and Eddie comes up to him and claims that his wallet was stolen yes uh, this leads to Doug summoning the luchadors because the luchadors in kayfabe have uh, a luchador dressing room well um, the, the point is Eddie says it was definitely a masked wrestler I saw him and then he says if I can take their masks off and see their faces I'll be able to identify them and I'm like, yeah. hang on, was it a masked wrestler in their mask or out of their mm. mask? Because either yeah. way, this doesn't make sense. So we, we have a, 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 a skit then that has like more direction than usually WCW mm. put into things. We have like older, over the shoulder shots from the rear of all they the They actually, doors. live, they used two cameras for this. So they have one wow. on, they had uh, one on the front of the luchadors for like the, the setup of it. And then when yeah. they go to the mask removal, it's round the back. So they either had two cameras or they'd like, they, it's pre-taped and they did a yeah. cut. And the camera around the back actually moved mm. as they were doing it. It wasn't just like ho- like zoom out, like put the thing on a tripod, just fucking leave no. it there. There was, there was some artistic intent behind this. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, just this great bit where like Eddie, who is like, I need to remind everybody, is still a heel. Yes. Right? But is getting enormous babyface reactions and doing things that are winning him over even more to people, Mm. has basically conned Doug Dillinger into making the luchadors expose their identities to Eddie. Yeah, but wouldn't he know them all anyway? This, yes, (laughs) you would think. He's done 10 years in Mexico with all of these guys. There is this fabulous moment where the first one in the the Thunder version of the the skit, anyway, to take off his mask is Cheetah Kid. And instead of going, hey, I recognize you, he just goes, ah, Prince Ikea. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So on the Nitro version, before him, uh, there is uh, La Parker. uh, And Eddie just screams and tells him to put his mask back on. Um, uh, The next one is... So who is in the Hall? I wrote Halloween because it's the Halloween costume, but is it Cyclope? Oh, like who is Cyclope? It is Cyclope, yeah, but he's yeah. wearing his Halloween gimmick. Yes, from yes. when he was secretly Dean Malenko. Yes, but like in Mexico, he was Halloween. It it would have been an incredible bit if Cyclope lifted his mask and Eddie said, "Oh, Dean, how are yeah. you? <laughs> yeah, that would have no, been great." Uh, but but Cyclope lifts his mask up and Eddie goes, "Jesus Christ, were you in a fire or something?" <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, the biggest. God, I the, love this man so much. The biggest rib of them all is Psychosis lifts his mask, and Eddie goes, "Oh, you're actually quite looking. Why are you wearing a mask?" And if you've ever seen uh, yeah. <laughs> old Dominic without his mask, he is not a handsome man at all. Yeah. Uh, there's a bit they show in it as well where Blitzkrieg takes off his mask, yes. and Eddie just starts laughing in his face. <laughs> but did you hear Eddie's line before that? No, what is he so saying? Blitzkrieg goes, "Come on, Eddie," and Eddie's like, "You're not Mexican." <laughs> <laughs> Incredible. Incredible. Yeah. Uh, so then we get a, a singles match, Lenny Lane versus Eddie Guerrero. Um, there's a, the two signs that Lenny and Lodi have coming out here are what a fabulous combination. Indeed. And 
and bring back Boy George. So the subtlety hammer is out this week with Lenny and Lodi. The subtlety hammer was also out on Nitro, where they uh, they have a little kind of promo segment. They they just they come out of a pair of doors and they're walking along, and um, uh, Lenny is. Uh, I am scrolling rapidly through my notes to try and find it. Um, uh, uh, Lodi has made Lenny like matching trunks for them yeah. and like they're pink obviously and Lenny loves them yeah. and Lodi's saying things like you know WCW is a very open-minded place you you'll be able to tell them they won't mind it's fine and then the camera pans around the two doors they've walked out of have the word closet in big letters on them oh lord yeah and because it's such they, a and, and that's because that's continuity because they followed on from like a, a previous week where uh, Lodi was doing his nails the same color as Lenny's trunks mm. as a show of solidarity and nothing more. It's a real shame because like now they'd be a really fun babyface act. I yeah. like them. Yeah, no, they're they're likable guys. It's yeah. just uh, again, it's the like subtlety hammer gay yeah. panic stuff. Yeah, nineteen ninety nine, gay equals bad. Yeah, like it's the implication that like the reason they are heels mm. is because they are gay. Yes. <laughs> like that's that's what WCW and unfortunately, as I would know later, WWA's shtick is yeah. with them. You know what I mean? And that also then becomes like this is barred by co- like so many acts over the following. Because this is Billy and Chuck. Like yeah. it's, it's Billy and Chuck. Yeah. Uh, you know, which unfortunately I had to watch play out in real time as well as this. I will say, though. The wedding reveal is incredible. Oh, all-timer. Yeah. All-timer. It's possibly yeah. the best thing Eric Bischoff has ever done. Mm. And apparently he was in makeup and in character all day backstage and nobody Amazing. twigged. Yeah. As somebody who is a huge fan of general manager character Eric Bischoff, mm. that was a, that was a, an all-time great smackdown for me. Yeah, yeah. Um, so... Uh, it goes without saying, every week Eddie Guerrero's Walk to the Ring is the newest... The new best mean man walk you've ever seen. <laughs> he this looks man, amazing. This man, oh yeah, he looks a million dollars. Yeah. But this man looks with nothing but contempt yeah. at whoever he's going to face every single week. Yeah, it might just it's be like, contempt for WCW, to be honest. It, it reminds me of like, I remember being like very early on message boards when um the one night stand match with Benoit and Eddie happened. Mm. And like there was, they came out later that like there were, there was some heat between the two of them. There had been a little bit of a falling out or something around that time. So they weren't necessarily mm. on the best of terms they'd ever been, even though they were great friends going back many years. But, um, I remember people commenting at the time. I was like, Jesus Christ, the look on Eddie's face when he came out, like a lot of people, forgetting that that was the default how eddie walked out for matches back yes. in the day like this is this this was the bit mm. like he wasn't always like you know like with his mamacita and his 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 bunch of roses with the lead pipe in the middle yes like he, he had a serious side before all that mm. um but yeah he came out the match is mostly eddie as you would expect mm. but again for the relative level of the two of them lenny getting anything in this match is a show of extreme generosity from eddie because i imagine he was just told kill this idiot yeah um so ref bump one and minute looks... and 44 seconds into the first match of the b show there's a fucking ref bump <laughs> Welcome to Thunder, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I should yes. say that before this, I've seen maybe five episodes of Thunder, including yeah. including these two, I think, actually. 
Yeah, this is oh yeah. Mm. Um, they uh, so it looks like Lenny and Lodi are going to double team Eddie, but they bail because the Lucha lads come out to get their revenge from Monday and beat Eddie down. Uh, La Parca, in the unusual combination of his, he's in red and white gear, but with <laughs> like his normal black gloves. mask. Yeah, his 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 obviously the mask to match this gear either wasn't finished or he forgot to pack it because yeah. he's just in his normal black and white mask. Yeah. Um. And I think his boots as well were the normal black and white ones. It was just his, like, everything in between was the red <laughs> yeah, and white. Yeah, red and white, yeah. Ridiculous. Yeah. Um, I did, Lenny... like, the crowd were really into booing them, though. Uh, look, I, I was I had this, I think, in the second match, or maybe the third match on the show, I made this. Like, this was a hot crowd. Yeah. Like, even for this, and they were served up a plate of fucking slop tonight, don't get me wrong. <laughs> but, you, you, uh, made the, you made, the like, the point on the last show that, like, in certain markets, people were still willing to turn up for WCW. They're still willing to root for this company. Yeah. And like this episode of Thunder is is that in a bottle. Yeah. And, and part of that comes down to like in a lot of these places, one of the reasons they clung on so desperately to try and find anything positive is because these were areas that like WWF either wasn't going to mm. or wasn't going to often. Mm. Like they weren't doing an Alabama TV loop. No. Do you know what I mean? They might do one and done. Like, they weren't like, if Thunder's coming to town, Thunder's doing a double shot at least, and you might get a, a Nitro, like, a, f- a couple of hundred miles away as well mm. uh, while they were there. Like, for the a lot of the southern states, mm. WCW was theirs, yes. you know, in a way that, like, WWF was just, like, the New York office breezing through yeah. to collect their coin and go home again. It wasn't. It didn't speak to them. It wasn't from there. No. Um. So, yeah, they... They're really hot for this. Um, This is great. Like Lenny sees an opportunity now and he very hesitantly, like as if he's like kicking a bear. Yes. Rolls Eddie over very slowly and beats him. Yes. Like I assumed after all, it's like, oh, Eddie's still kicking out. So when there was like the three count, I was aghast. Well, I initially wrote the Luchador's attack for the DQ. And then it went back oh. to the ring and Lenny is like very gently giving Eddie the toe to see if he's going to yeah. respond. And when he doesn't, rolls him over and pins him. Yeah. I love that Lenny and Lodi were overjoyed and they sold it as a massive moment. That's, he sold it like he won the world title. Yes. That's what I wrote down. If you and read Lodi's like, lips, you can see him saying, we won, we won. The the heat this got, as you described. Yeah. Like the booze. And then enormous Eddie chants. Like, they mm. are, in spite of what they're actually trying to do, getting Eddie over as one of the biggest baby faces in the company. Honestly, like to my mind, this was the face turn you've been looking for in this story. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think they thought it was. No, but, but well, was. you'll find out next week, I suppose. Yes. Um, yeah. I mean... I, uh, Larry kind of kills it with, I don't know if that was an official victory or not, and with Flair being president, who knows, over the replay. I initially wrote that this was crap, but the more Mm. I thought about it, the action was fine, nobody botched anything, everyone did what they were supposed to, it furthered Mm. the Eddie LWO storyline, and it gave Lenny and Lodi something. My and only, didn't outstay its welcome. Yeah. My only real complaint is that it was rushed and they felt the need to knock out the ref a minute and a half into the opener of the B show. Yeah, yeah. yeah. If this had been like the second or third match and it had mm. a ref bump, you wouldn't have been nearly as annoyed. Um, we then get our first of many segments with Jimmy Hart backstage. So Nobbs is doing like a, a hardcore invitational, but as you uh, might recall... It is actually Hardcore Hack who lays down the... Uh, oh, it's Hardcore Hack? Yes. There's a down. promo on Nitro where he and... So Hardcore has been banned from 
WCW by President yes. Ric Flair. Yeah, Flair walked out in the middle of a hardcore match and banned hardcore yes. on Thunder a yes. few weeks ago. Uh, and um, the, on Nitro, there is a section where some uh, very blatantly fake interference uh, buzzes on the screen, uh, and then it cuts to Hack sitting on top of the ladder with chastity, and he lays he uh, lays down the challenge for the the Junkyard Invitational. Um, and I wrote, oh, so it's your fault all those guys got injured, is it? <laughs> That's like, I, it's so funny because like that now, I assumed it must have been knobs that laid out the challenge because like, why is Jimmy Hart recruiting everybody? That doesn't make sense. It must be said. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's was like, oh, it must be knobs because knobs was doing the thing that he was the king of hardcore. So mm. like, oh, knobs has laid out the challenge and no. they're having it, they're having it in a junkyard. But no, it's just like either he, either like, Jimmy is on the take from Big Hack. Hack's got more coin mm. than we thought from when he was. Uh, maybe he married Raven's mom in the end, and that's where <laughs> he's got the money from. Who knows? Um, it, like maybe Chastity just didn't work on Thursday. Maybe not. Like because yes. it would make much more sense if she was running around trying to find opponents yeah, for Sandman. Yeah. Um, so in this, he he's forcefully recruiting Silver King and La Parca. Yes. Like, whatever about La Parca, who's known for being with the chair, it's like, right, if I'm having a hardcore match, the first name I'm recruiting is Silver King. Yeah. <laughs> necessarily jump out to me as, like, you know, big hardcore match guy, but, you know, whatever. Yeah. Uh, we are long-standing fans of Silver King on this show, so yep. if it gets him in a match, then I'm happy about it. I was lucky enough to see him live before he passed away, not on uh, the show where he died, thankfully. Uh, he yes. was doing the because um, he was Ramesses in uh, Natural Libre, wasn't he? The like the lead mm-hmm. heel in that movie, yeah. yeah. And he wrestled under that gimmick for a while as well. And I believe mm-hmm. he was, do- yeah, he was doing that on when some of the Lucha tours of the UK. But yeah, I'm also longtime Silver King fan. Oh, yes, good, good. You're in good company here mm. on this show. Uh, <sighs> The opposite of good company. Gene is in the ring with Disco Inferno. Yes, and I wrote, Dave can recap this. I took no notes. (laughs) Oh, this sucked. This sucked so bad. Oh, are you a a similar... Now, I I don't need to ask you your opinions on Glenn Gilberti, the human, but uh, as Disco Inferno, the wrestler and character, are you more in the the camp I'm in or the camp Lee's pretending to be in? (laughs) (laughs) He went... I, I am generally negative on D- Disco Inferno. Good. He went up and down. Right there side were, of history. Yeah. There were periods where he was fine. Um, yeah. And, spoiler, I totally didn't mind his match on this show. Mm. I am perpetually irritated that a theme as good as Disco, Fav- Disco Fever was wasted on Glenn Gilberti. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I just... Oh, I can't. It's all to set up his match he's having at um at Bash at the Beach with Cat, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I'm all look like I'm all in fa- like when we eventually get to the phase where he's disco with a Q mm. and he's he's like the punchline in the filthy animals and, and stuff like that. Then I'm fine. Mm. But like we're still in a period in ninety nine where they're trying to make disco happen. Yes. And like it's kinda like it reminds me of the the famous I always attributed it to Gary Kidney. The Jeff Jarrett argument is that your interest in Jeff Jarrett is directly equivalent to where he is on the card. The lower he is on the card, the more entertained you are by him. Yes. So, like, currently now, as, like, a mid to lower mid card crazy old man heel bonking people with guitars at AEW, absolute aces. And I thought, like, 
he worked real hard in that match on the pay-per-view. He was bumping yeah. all over the place. He was a top-line goof in that match. It, in my t- in my top five moments on that pay-per-view, not that there was much competition mm. outside of five great moments, but him hitting the stroke and celebrating for so long he forgot to make the cover. Yeah. Just genius. Yeah, it's genius it, work. It's, it's top but, but then when you have him as your 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 top guy on the card, then I, I hate it. And I'm going to have he, to endure that very soon. Uh, he should never have been above US slash intercontinental level. Like he's no. not a world champion in, yeah. in by any stretch. And, and yet somehow how has managed that like sixteen or seventeen times across yeah. two companies. And, and not everybody is, and that's fine. Yeah. It's just unfortunately he was one of the last people to know. Yes. Uh, him and Vince Russo the last people on earth to know this Um, so yeah uh, he says everybody knows that Ernest Miller stinks Ernest I did like okay I did I did laugh at one line where he goes Ernest Miller learned his karate from Tai Bo so did my mom yes (laughs) that's great Um, Gene then says and I knew where the direction this was heading and even though Vince Russo wasn't here yet he says you have to recognise that Sonny Ono is going to be there Disco without missing a beat calls him Mr. Miyagi yes real cool that's 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 a that's a that's a hot slice of Glenn Gilberti cutting through Disco Inferno that's, there. Uh, that's evidence in an upcoming lawsuit, I'm sure. Yes, hundred yeah. uh, percent. He says he's going to deliver, and I quote, a Brooklyn, New York tushy kicking. Yes, at the paper. To be honest, which I, did, I didn't it, mind that line. That was fine. Incredibly, got a pop in Alabama. Yes, I thought like Annie mentioned New York, they were going to be <laughs> ripping up the chairs, but you know, whatever. Yeah. Um, our our next singles match, which might have been if you hadn't already been uh, regretting volunteering for this, Kieran, <laughs> Al Green versus Van Hammer. My initial note is we're not getting a rendition of "Let's Stay Together." It's Nash's useless mate, the dog, or as I called him, Road Warrior Pork, because that's what he me. looks like. Here. Fuck me! Like Al Green might be the meatiest man in this company of oh, very meaty men. There is there is a, a additional meat. There is a full butcher shop coming up in the main event. <laughs> actually true yeah true um so we get a flashback to van hammer and maybe the best comedy segment on the whole show van hammer storming into flair's office on nitro uh and speaking to flair and rpvp demanding a title shot and even they started laughing yes. at him. <laughs> justifiably so yeah and as a rib in kayfabe they're giving him rick steiner at the pay-per-view yes and he's the and he's the only one that's jazzed about this yes Rick Steiner, the um, TV champion. Yes. Uh, Al Green leads the match at the start, but then a hip toss and a slam and a clothesline over the top puts Hammer firmly in control. Short brawl into the aisle. Hammer brings him back in. Corner whip and a big boot for two. Uh, Alabama slammer and a Cobra clutch slam wins it. Uh, I shall read you my one note that encompasses the entire action of this match. Mm-hmm. Two roidy goons do basic stuff for two minutes. Hammer's big boot looks bad. The director cuts to camera B when Hammer addresses camera A and vice versa. Uh, uh, to his credit, uh, Green tries to break the high jump record, going for Hammer's going up for Hammer's Cobra Clutch Slam that looks really good on the replay. Yeah. I will say, I think after the Van Hammer Cactus Jack Falls Count Anywhere match, this might be the second best um, uh, Van Hammer match I've ever seen, which is incredible because. In this, like, two minutes or however long it last, almost nothing looked good, but it's still on the Van Hammer scale. It was pretty good. Yeah, I, it was It was a squash. It was fine. Like, it didn't yeah. offend me as much as I expected. Yeah. Um. So, at the bell, Rick Steiner jumps him. Mm-hmm. Huge reaction, and he just 
batters Van Hammer. He had uh, to have started a... his run the moment Hammer hooked the Cobra clutch because yeah. he's under the ropes as soon as the bell goes. He's, he's, uh, he is stomping his head at 3.1. Yeah. Um, Apparently he's got a good 40-yard dash on him that we never knew. Now uh, we are informed that he, we all, already know he's called the Dog-Faced Gremlin, but Tanae is now referring to him as the DFG, which gives me a great idea for a rolled Dahl book. <laughs> I liked, uh, as he is making his way back up the uh, the aisle, Hammer gets nothing in this brawl, by the way. Dogface yeah. just kicks the fuck out of him and leaves. And as he's going back up DFG. the aisle, he talks into the camera and he says, I'll take you out, boy. You don't mean a damn shit to me on live WCW yeah. television on TBS. Yeah. yeah. If you if you were under any illusion that Rick Steiner still cared about his mm. employer, no, no, no. Yes. And Hammer um, gets up and starts talking to the cameraman near him. Yeah. or to the camera near him, and you get this horrible production moment where they're both yelling into their respective cameras at the same time, and you can't make out any of it. Do you know what the, 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 the real galling thing is? Like, these shows are not, a, like, actually live. Is this one not live? Thunder, this, this, this Thunder is, like, it's the week it's brought... It is, it is out the week it's broadcast, but it's not, like, live live, okay. as far as I know. That's I think it's, like, it might be behind, yeah, yeah. I'm not I'm I'm not I'm not entirely sure. I'm not allowing them it anyway. I'll put it that way. Um we then get Jimmy Hart badgering Horace Hogan. Yes. Cage match and, says this was live live. Oh, it was live live. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Cuz I was like usually their cycle is that the Oh, actually no, cuz it's usually it was it was tape it was tape 2 on Tuesday, show 1 yeah. that Thursday, the yeah. other next Thursday. Yeah, yeah, that's what they while. have been doing, but actually yes, uh, they're back on they had gotten off it for a while, but now they're back in the cycle of the taped thunder is the one that airs after the fucking pay-per-view. That's what you've got to look forward to next episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, they are they are by far the worst thunders. They <laughs> are diabolical mm. but anyway yes uh, the biggest revelation of this whole show is when jimmy is talking to horace backstage and horace reveals he's still in the nwo black and white <laughs> jesus christ why does jimmy refer to hulk as uncle hogan uncle ah uh, do you uncle call your hogan uncle uncle great. ryan i don't have an yes. uncle lefort no i call my uncle uncle hogan okay well. <laughs> fine I'll, I'll, yeah. if yeah. i see mine again i'll, I'll say yeah. the same to him yeah, uh, but he better make the money right. That was what yeah. we got well, out of this. Uh, well, Hogan's uncle is much bigger than Terry Belea's uncle. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> <laughs> Horace keeps trying to say, and like Jimmy is not following him on the. He keeps saying, "You got to make the money right," yes. and Jimmy just keeps ignoring him and saying, "You're being the match." And it's so funny, like realizing that uh, Horace is trying to be cool in his "I'll sleep when I'm dead" T-shirt. Yes, absolutely mortifying. This man is stealing a living. Um, actually, arguably, at this point in time, both men in that segment are stealing a living. I think a large uh, segment of the company at this point yeah. is, uh, yeah. yeah. And for both of the men in this segment, we have one person to thank for the two of them stealing a living anyway. Yeah. Um, so next we have a very somber throw to a Bret Hart video. Mm. Um, so this is covering like his absence from WCW and Owen's death. But in amidst all this somber stuff and they are playing this very very seriously mm. there was one line that i was nearly in tears laughing at and it's a line that they are doing for dramatic effect but couldn't be a more true reading of the bret hart experience where they said his tenure in wcw has been one of turmoil confusion and frustration yes yes you're telling me mike 
the famous Bret Hart line, you're goddamn right, I'm frustrated. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This also aired on Nitro. Um, mm-hmm. And WWE cut a chunk out for the network. I don't know if they did in the Thunder you watched. So there is a section. It's, it's like twenty. There's there's a shot of Owen in an orange singlet, and then on the network yeah. it cuts to uh, um, uh, Tene saying, "Leave it to Bret Hart." And there's a, like a thing from his Calgary Sun column comes up. Mm-hmm. There's yeah. twenty to thirty seconds they've cut from that, which is Bret going doing the new shows. I presume it's just for um, like footage licensing reasons. Yeah, so there's yeah, shots of him on Good Morning America, Larry King, and CNN. Um, okay. The bit that killed this for me was the there's sp- uh, a spelling mistake slash grammatical error in the quote they put up on the screen from the Calgary Sun. Mm-hmm. Um, and the font and layout of it make it look like something your auntie sends you on Facebook. Yeah, it was like nearly Comic Sans. Yeah, it, it level, and that put a dent in something that actually for WCW was quite a classy piece of video. Yeah, with one exception, mm-hmm. when they showed the clips or uh, when they showed the promo mm. f- from Monday on Thunder. I don't know if this was playing on Nitro. You will be the one who will say it to me. For some reason. They decided, let's whack out the B-sides of uh, Angelo Badliamenti's Twin Peaks score. <laughs> yes. Because what the fuck was the music during this promo? Yeah. It was the most sinister. Like, I really don't like, because, like, Owen's death still gets to me all these mm. years later. But genuinely, it was like a days of our lives. Like, as if Brett at the end was going to, and it like, you know, and I know who did it. Yeah. You know, like, it was going to be something like that at the end. It what was, was this music about? It was like a horror movie. It was certainly a misstep for sure. No, that did not air on Nitro. Um, Holy shit. They, for, they've so... mostly just cut out long pauses where he was like thinking and composing himself because like on Nitro, he was yeah. basically told, take this mic, go and say whatever you want. You've got as long as you want. Yeah. like Again, like is it a rare classy move yes. in World Championship Wrestling. And yeah. he did, again... He has put he put over how they treated him during all this. Like yeah. this, they take all the time away you need. Yep. You know, they like it's like a genuinely like one of the biggest tragedies. Like I didn't even say it in in the the recap is like maybe the biggest tragedy in the history of professional wrestling. Mm. Like what happened, you know, and might be the most like shot like. I, I, the only other things I can think of on the same level are like a like a Masawa and, and things like that mm. in terms of like in ring tragedy, which obviously wouldn't happen for a number of years after this. But yeah, like just, I, I suppose like, I, I, like it is just basic humanity the way they treated him, but it is still surprising for WCW that they uh, have. I mean, that it's surprising for pro wrestling, to be honest. Yes, this is true. It's this not, true. Uh, like, not look across the, look across the aisle, do you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Like across the aisle is the company that he died in the ring. Yes, do you know what I mean? Like exactly. that's, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this, I couldn't, like, like it was touching what Brett was saying, mm. but I, I just could not stop with the music. I it, just, yes. Oh, a, poor, a poor creative choice. Well, if you're watching the version I watched where they hadn't quite cut out all of the ad break, I got a TV mm. spot for the new movie Wild Wild West immediately after this. God. Will Smith, John Peters, Giant Spiders. The greatest... <laughs> One of the the greatest YouTube videos you'll ever watch. Kevin Smith, Kevin yeah. Smith talking about yeah. making Superman <laughs> with John Peters. Yeah, it's incredible. Uh, did you did you then when it came out in the cinemas see Licorice Pizza? 
I haven't seen that, no. Okay. Do you know that Bradley Cooper is playing John Peters in that movie? I did not, but now I want to see it. Because I nearly had a heart attack. <laughs> he came out and I was like... <laughs> Like, there's a second before... I can't remember whether it's, like, right... But I think it's right after you see him for the first time. I was like, that's a real fucking weird dude. And I was like, with perfectly quaffed hair. Yeah. And there's, like, something rattling yeah. around in the back of my head. It's like, oh, it's John Peters. In, uh, I'm like, what? And, it, like, it's not like the guy is an homage to John Peters. No, he's literally playing John Peters in that movie. So, much like uh, our pre-show chat threatened to, I don't want to turn this into a movie podcast. Have you seen any of the show The Offer? No. Okay, so it's it's a dramatization of the making of The Godfather. Uh, yeah, I've heard about yeah. it. Um, there is an incredible piece of casting in that. Matthew Good plays Bob Evans, and he's okay. note perfect. He's so good. So I got to see, I recently flew back from New York, and I got to watch the first three episodes on the plane. I... Honestly, considering getting Paramount Plus for a month to binge the rest of it. Oh, it's P- on Paramount Plus. Purely Ooh. for uh, purely for Matthew Good's performance. Yeah, I I have that at the moment because I'm back on a Fraser kick. Mm. So uh, maybe maybe I might watch some of that. I it, I um, I really enjoyed it. I I don't don't really care for like the mafia part of it. Yeah. But like I like being like a like a, a movie person and like being in like film and video production. Like the yeah. I'm always interested in movies about the making of movies. Or, yeah. or TV shows about the making movies or whatever. Is this, is this like, are you a Hearts of Darkness over Apocalypse Now guy? I'm going to shock you. I've never seen either. Okay. So I also have never seen The Godfather. Your face is incredible. Okay. This needs to be a video podcast. <laughs> yeah. I wasted my youth watching all those like Jackie Chan movies like Rumble in the Bronx yeah. that you watched. I've got yeah, a yeah. shelf full of that crap behind me. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot. I didn't see Rocky until I was in my 30s. I didn't see Alien until I was 35, and I had to watch oh. it with the lights on in two segments because it had been built up so much in my mind. Yeah, I don't. God, I should watch. I haven't watched Alien in several years. The last time I watched, actually, speaking of flights uh, in and out of America and mm. watching things, I think the last time I watched Aliens uh, and Alien, the I had the most incredible triple bill on my way over to Dallas for WrestleMania in 2016. I watched Alien and Aliens, and in between Alien and Aliens, uh, my my friend uh, Amo, who was on the, the flight with me, woke up and said, hey, do you want to watch a movie together? And in between Alien and Aliens, we watched um, Best in Show, the Christopher Guest movie. <laughs> <laughs> what a choice. Tonal whiplash. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. holy shit. Oh, but what a great That's movie. A, we had been talking about, in the, the airport, we'd been talking about A Mighty Wind and how much that rocks. Yes. And then, like, we were scanning through as he was nodding off. And I was like, holy shit, Best in Show is on this. He goes, I'm going to have a nap. But do you want to watch Best in Show when I wake up? I was like, fuck yes, I do. Uh, we need <laughs> so, to get back to WCW, but have you seen Waiting for why? Government? <laughs> yes. 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 That, that, that seems to be the rarest of the, the, <sighs> those kind of Christopher yeah. Guest ensemble movies. Yeah, big fan. Big fan of all of that stuff. After the show, we're going to have a movie chat. I think we are. <laughs> I know we are, yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, yes, uh, we get a tease for WCW Saturday night. Yes. We've got Stephen Regal, Stephen Regal who, is, who is back, Darren from HR. Uh, the first family, <laughs> the Luchadors versus Malenko, Benoit and Saturn, and Conan and Ray versus the Wyndhams. I wrote good Wyndham and useless Wyndham. Oh, uh, apparently, God. if you're going to be out on Saturday night, don't worry. This is going to be shown on big screens in a green nightclub, so you won't yeah, miss it, it. 
in the middle of the nightclub from that scene in the Matrix. Yeah. Uh, they're going to be showing WCW yeah. Saturday night with Scott Hudson <laughs> and Mike Tanay. Um, so our next match is Fit Finley versus Brian Nobbs. <laughs> I just wrote Christ. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Nobbs isn't using with the boys. No. Uh, and uh, Fit Finley isn't using an ounce of personality. Uh, or... <laughs> I, yeah. I remain a, an incredible low man in this period of Fit Finley. Like we're we're starting to get towards hardcore fit now, so mm-hmm. like there's a little bit more being shown, and that like when he's just actually fighting people towards the end of WCW, I think me and Lee are going to get more interested. Mm. But like Jesus Christ, like the last couple of years, anytime he's been on TV has been a pain. Um, so yeah. uh, Tanay says this is great. So just keep this in mind Tanae says Randy Savage will be here tonight he does yes uh, Finley <laughs> then blocks a corner charge runs into a power slam nice looking power slam yeah not bad uh, a brawl outside Finley gets thrown into the steps <laughs> Jimmy gets a brogue in uh, Finley then recovers and hoofs knobs into the steps and then the rail uh, Finley goes for a table but gets jumped by uh, Flynn and Morris for the DQ of course in a match that like probably should have been you know, the bell should have been rung about three times at that stage. I mean, it should have been a double count out for a start because they were fighting yeah. outside for longer than they were in the ring. <laughs> mm-hmm. Rolls him back in, Nobbs drops an elbow, then Darren from HR materializes to brawl with Hugh Morris. The luchadors then come out. The crowd is really hot for this, yeah. it's worth saying. They are really into their garbage brawls. Then Horace comes out. The brawl loses a bit of steam as I think maybe someone forgot to do a spot and everybody's just kind of like, oh, what what next? Uh, then I notice Dave Taylor appeared at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, Jimmy tries to give the chair to Brian Nobbs, but Parker steals it from him. Uh, he does the angle, the, 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 the spot made famous later by Kurt Angle for a lot of people uh, my age, which is the hitting the chair so hard off the ropes, it bounces back and hits you in the head. Mm-hmm. Always a classic spot. Um, Nobbs then pins him as Jimmy counts. Uh, Horace versus Jimmy is now happening. They're brawling horribly up the ramp onto the stage and Nobbs tears off a bit of the set to smack Horace and knock him down to kind of like the floor in front of the stage. Um, yeah, uh, an inexplicably hot brawl with a bunch of really shitty dudes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, it was. I, I guess Alabama just likes a fight on a Thursday night. Guess so. I have been to I Birmingham, guess. Alabama. Uh, I did not see witness anything. Like I was. Uh, I, uh, I'm over egging it a bit. All I've seen in Birmingham, Alabama, is the airport because our driver took us to the wrong place. He got the wrong message. He was supposed to take us to the city centre to film, and he took us straight to the airport. So we sat there for five hours. Was he like- was he just like, you got to stay in this airport. Like, if you walk yep. 10 pace out here, Brian Nobbs might fight you. <laughs> they hear your accents, you're going to get fucked up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. This, do, like, you, do you hear what happened to Steve Regal and Dave Taylor when they came to Birmingham, <laughs> Alabama? <laughs> I mean, the match is nothing. The no. fight is just to set up the, um, the, the brawl is to set up the, the scra- I keep calling it Scrap Heap Challenge on the, on the pay-per-view. <laughs> <laughs> um, shit. Yeah. Yes. Dick Strawbridge. Um yeah, they pull out the table but don't use it. Um, yeah. I think if I was booking this, I would have like put a couple of like weapon shots in to put over like this. Like it will be anything go. All weapons illegal on Sunday. Mm. But like, yeah. I mean, it does its job. It's not great, but it does its job. 
I think one of the things I'd do if it was like a shitty mid card heal is like set up elaborate weapon spots and then like calmly put all the weapons away and tell them they're not getting it. Yeah. Like go to the extent of setting up the big pyramid of chairs or tables and like tease a spot and then go nah. And just go and sit and then, on the top. <laughs> then then make them all watch as I individually fold back up all the tables and place <laughs> them neatly under the ring. <laughs> You tell me that they wouldn't be coming for my blood in the crowds after that. Um, Flair and the boys are here who are referred to by Gene as the board of directors. And I kind of like that in as much as my confessed love last week at the show of loving the League of Nations table. The board of directors is a great name for this table. Yeah. Even though I hate the stable in this case. They are no League of Nations, my friend. Uh, League of Nations is not a high bar, is it? (laughs) No. And they had not even clear that. No. Um. RPVP is up first. Uh, he says, "What are we? Uh, what are we doing here on Thunder? We came to plunder." Ha ha ha! <laughs> he he asks, "What you?" He says, "You wonder what we're doing here on Thunder." And I'm like, "I wonder what you're doing here on Thunder." I've been listening yeah. to this show since episode one, and I know the stars very rarely show up on this show. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, and maybe that just goes to show how far Piper has fallen in terms of performance and people caring about him. That now he's a regular Thunder act. <laughs> um, he then proceeds to cut what amounts to a massive babyface promo on Buff Bagwell, yes. who is the babyface. Mm-hmm. He's going to run over Buff like the Crimson Tide to get a big pop. Um, he says, I won't bite just... your ear off, I'll bite your whole head off. Yeah, uh, it, like, he's really belittling him. Yeah, he says, bash at the beach, I'll bash you at the beach. And at that moment, I was very glad it wasn't called bang at the beach or a DDP uh... promo. <laughs> oh, I mean, like that man will bang people. At <laughs> Left, right notice. and center. Loves a yeah. good bang. Um, so Flair takes over on the mic he says Asia wants to look under the kilt he keeps insisting it yeah wait till the uh, match he'll just be wearing his trunks yeah. <laughs> Flair, Flair loses the blazer immediately calls himself uh, the Presidente yes I believe oh no sorry the Presidente yes he doesn't say Presidente <laughs> he says Presidente uh, he calls he, he, I, now I did laugh at this he calls Gormless Idiot David Flair Big Dave yes you are neither Batista nor Big Bill, my friend. You don't get the big suffix. No Big Dave Ryan, prefix. in fact. No, absolutely not. <laughs> there, is, there has never been less of a Big Dave. No, there's a shot of David where he looks like he's fallen asleep. Yeah. <laughs> David Flair almost certainly is, is taller than me, almost certainly weighs more than me, and yet I still wouldn't refer to him as Big Dave. No. If we were standing side by side. No. Not a chance. He looks um, like he'd rather be literally anywhere else. Yeah. Um, so it's going to be Dean versus Big Dave for the belt on Sunday. Uh, if they beat Malenko, Gene can have Asia. Yes. Disgusting. He also says um, if Dave wins, Piper will wear the kilt for him. Yeah. Uh, and then, like, I love that. Like, it, this is, again, my favorite thing about this storyline with, da- with David Flair is that Flair can't come up with a way to get this guy over that doesn't involve him getting the shit kicked out of him for a while first. <laughs> that happened like, on Nitro why would you not, as well. Why would you not? He's got the belt now. Why don't you just put him against soup cans every week? Yeah. Like, just absolute, like, the, the, again, more Barry Horowitz matches and less, like, Dean Malenko, who might actually snap his neck. There was, so, it, it's not to do with the people he wrestled, but there was a bit in, in the, the belt handing over on Nitro segment where... I don't know if Flair did it on purpose or not, but he left his own son hanging for a handshake and I died laughing. Great. <laughs> Incredible. Great 
Incredible. Um, I like the end so, of this where Flair tells the director to zoom the camera out and get a wide shot of them all. Trouble is, yeah. that's the shot they're already on. So it just sort of limply zooms out a little bit. <laughs> yeah, a little bit more. Yeah. Uh, he starts dancing and threatening to sleep with various women. He Bad does. segment. Yes. Uh, then we get uh, a segment that you very eagerly messaged me about to make sure that I, I oh, would yeah. get to see it. Uh, and I, this this is one because I, I think I've analyzed a couple of versions of this video now at this stage. But what did you think of the rap is crap music video? This is like the final version now. Yeah. So uh, the, the reason I messaged you was because it includes footage from Nitro that was cut from the network version of Nitro. So the, uh, the, the performance and, and includes footage from NASCAR. <laughs> yes. Uh, the the the. the Footage of the performance where Hennig is in the red shirt was shot at the Georgia Dome on Monday. Ah, um, okay. I liked how they seem to get introduced on the same stage by three different people, just yep. with different camera angles, and they're trying to pretend they're in different locations, but the buildings in the background are always the same. Yeah. Um, I love that nobody in the crowd is in on the joke. Yeah. Like, Oh, this is my this is now my favorite. Like I love this. I turned a corner on this bit pretty recently. Yeah. But the two things I love about this are one, there are people that are unironically into this song. Mm. They don't realize it's making fun of the people that they are. Mm. Um my other favorite bit is there is not even a passing attempt to make this guy's singing voice sound anything like Kurt Hennig. No, it might and- as well be it might as well be Luciano Pavarotti. <laughs> this is made abundantly clear on the Nitro performance where Kurt just sings over the top of the track. Yeah. The other bit I liked about the Nitro performance is that Barry Windham's drums are completely silent and yeah. he's just playing the standard 4/4 even during yeah. the fills. <laughs> and I love as well like um they 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 show band hijinks on their fake tour. Yes. Uh, like playing big, poker and yeah. Big Bob come cheating at cheating at poker <laughs> with all the cards stuffed in his hat. Yeah. Great stuff. Great yeah, stuff. Yeah, this is this is a tremendous comedy bit. Ah, uh, it's it's really good. I actually like I thought I'd be really eye-rolly about it and I actually I genuinely thought it was going to be much more racist. Yeah. Because like, I, I hadn't watched this back since then. I was like, this this feels like it was probably very racist. But it's actually a very smart bit that's like lampooning the people who love country and say rap is crap. Yes. Like, it's 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 much cleverer than I would ever ascribe credit to WCW for normally. Like, it's... They really happened upon something here by complete accident. And the stupid song has been stuck in my head all week. Oh, it's, a, it's like a I was le- legitimately earlier trying to remember the name of the NASCAR driver they reference in it. <laughs> <laughs> I like to, I simply couldn't. The only one I know is Dale Earnhardt, and it's not him. Yeah. <laughs> um. So next up, singles match: Kidman versus the Disco Inferno. Seems like an, a weird one because Kidman is an act that they're kind of sort of pushing, and then Disco is a guy that like it feels like a match where you didn't have to put these two against each other. Like you could have given Disco someone else lower for a tune-up match. Mm. Uh, I guess Disco's like, just a man they're pushing more at the moment. Yeah, I guess so. Uh, Kidman rushes in early and is all over Disco until Disco cleans his clock with a lariat and a running neckbreaker. Disco has the heat. Uh, Tanae throw. Uh, this is like a classic flash forward, and this is like this definitely got Gar Kidney's hackles up. Is that Tanae throws to the back as uh, <laughs> Stephen Regal is appalled that on Friday he was beaten up. He'll be at the Hardcore Invitational, the Scrap Heap Challenge, uh, to give everyone a hiding. 
back in the ring. Well, man. Larry then asked, what is a bloody good hiding? And I'm like, yes. you feuded with him five years ago. He must have given you at least one or two. <laughs> yeah, I would imagine. Uh, back in the ring as Kidman does a plancha. Uh, Disco kind of shakes off the after effects of that, does a pop-up atomic drop. Uh, big middle rope crossbody and a sky high from Kidman for two. Then shenanigans begin. Cat and Sonny comes out. It's She's Miller got the time. red shoes on. <laughs> Disco, never have I been less jazzed by it being Miller time. <laughs> Um, Disco hits a pile driver out of absolutely nowhere. Uh, Tanae pleads, "Could you stop cutting to the cat?" Yes, as yes. Kidman kicks out. Um, like this is again another like mask off moment for today. He's just sick of this shit. Mm-hmm. Uh, bulldog from Kidman, but he gets kicked by the cat for the DQ. Sonny then attempts to hold back Disco as uh, a cat winds up a kick. He clears Sonny out instead with the kick. Uh. And then Disco hits a last dance and stands tall. You missed possibly my favourite spot of the well, I don't know, favourite spot? A, a notable spot of the mat, match. Mm. Uh, Man of Kids gets thrown over the top rope and hits the mats on the outside like he's Cactus Jack. He slams yeah. into the ground so hard. Yeah, for like this meaningless match yeah. in the middle of a thunder. Yeah. yeah not even a pay-per-view. Yeah, and then... At the end, Disco gets a pop for using the finisher of the biggest star in wrestling on Miller mm. and gets the dances. Inferno was shockingly popular. Yeah. Oh, like so disproportionate to how like how bad he was and how bad the gimmick was. Yeah. Um, good- like it was a little bit funny during the Dancing Fools mm. era with Alex Roy and like, but no one took either of them seriously. Yeah. Has um, uh, but- have they gained and lost Magnum Tokyo yet in your timeline? I can't yes. remember when he turns. Yeah, okay. yeah, no, he's long gone. And yeah. So Alex Wright at this point in time, I can't remember if I mentioned this on the show or if I had um, I had um, researched it in between shows. So uh, they had started airing vignettes for Berlin. Okay. But then Columbine happened. Oh. And they shelved him for like six months. <laughs> And then by the time he resurfaces, he has the wall with him. I see. So thank God for the course of wrestling history that they did shelve him. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so Alex Wright has been off TV for most of this year, I want to say. I can't remember the last time I saw Alex Wright. Like, I know the peak of the Dancing Fools in Magnum Tokyo was like around Road Wild the previous year. Mm. Um, And then, yeah, they lost Magnum Tokyo. Alex Wright vanished. Um, and yeah, so and they don't want to, they, now in the, they don't want to do what they did with Sting in between characters, where he's just the old character with new weird hair for a bit. Yes, yeah, we are. Yeah, we are now in the the pre like the pre and post Berlin uh, period mm. because he has. It was like it was right around this time. I'm I'm trying to look it up here as we're talking, uh, and I probably will during the next uh, the next segment mm. here. Um, as I ask you your thoughts on the Jersey Triad, who are up next. <laughs> Slightly before that, my version had a, a Bam Bam Bigelow t-shirt ad. Oh? Yeah, he has one of the shirts and he's pulling at it, he's jumping on it, he's biting it, he whacks it with a pallet and a bin and a sledgehammer and he concludes it's as hardcore as he is and you cut away just before he takes an angle grinder to it, which probably, to be fair, would have fucked it up. <laughs> Oh, yeah. So, so here we are. So promotional spots began airing on WCW television in May. Okay. Uh, and this is July, su- isn't it? We're talking about here. Yeah. yeah. Featuring Wright as a surprising new rivet head style character named Berlin. Mm. 
um, with a black mohawk goatee replacing his blonde hair. He was clad entirely in black with a long trench coat and arrogantly refused to speak English. He spoke through an interpreter, mm. an interpreter, Uta Ludendorff, <laughs> uh, and was accompanied to the ring by a large wrestler known as The Wall. The promos uh, coincided with the aftermath of the Columbine school massacre, which put a hitch in WCW's plans yeah. uh, and shelved him for several months. So he would debut uh, about a month after this. August okay. 30th is when he returns uh, on Nitro. Mm. Uh, so there you go but yes the triad uh self high five smells like white spirit plays uh Mm -hmm. and they're out they're out for a promo uh i like this actually and i like them as a group Mm. um like bam bam i love all three of these guys i think ddp is horribly miscast as a heel but i love these guys yes um however He's not miscast in the way that he's bad at it. He's just better at being a babyface. No, he's more just, natural they, as a babyface. And and people wanted him to be a babyface. Yeah. Like no one was happy when he turned heel. No, I mean I forget that he was a heel when he won the title at Spring Stampede like three yeah. months ago. Yeah, like and because the people pop when he wins, so I just assume mm-hmm. he was. I only I only had that in isolation on a VHS tape, so I just assumed yeah. he was a babyface going into the match the whole it, time. It's one of those early times where like it was a thing where they turned him and the crowd were just like no, yeah, and they refused and they still, they still cheered him for like a long time until the, until they were just like okay mm. fine. But these fine. three as a group are very entertaining. I think they yeah. need to like shift Bam Bam into more of a bodyguard type role because he's not suited mm. to the talking part. And as no. I think, as you mentioned, like last time out, like he's not suited to being a goofy ringside manager in the way that Canyon is no. like perfectly suited to be. Yeah, but like as a hard nut bodyguard, he would be perfect. Yeah, I honestly think like, it, and it's funny for a man the size of DDP. But I think all I think almost of the three of them, DDP is the one that's suited to the role of like hiding behind. Yeah, Bam so Bam. he should be the star of the group, and the other two are there in service of him, and they have their yeah, roles. Yeah. They have the goofy manager yeah. and the hard nut bodyguard. Yeah, uh, and like it's you, you have to get through the two of them to get to Paige. Yeah, like that's that, that's how it should yeah. be. There was a, I was involved in booking a wrestling promotion for a short while, and there was a group of heels mm-hmm. that we had, and the gimmick I said was right. One of them, the one we're pegging as the star, if he gets in trouble, the others come to save him. If any of the others get in trouble, they save each other, but he doesn't come out. Yeah. He is a he is above them, and that's how you show it. And that's why yeah. they kind of do it with DDP in the match. Actually, after this, I think mm. a little bit. Yeah, um, yeah. But that like, and that is something that would seem like fairly straightforward psychology, but is so very rarely actually done. Yes, you know, especially in WCW uh, of nineteen ninety nine. Yeah, the audio during the segment is fucking awful as well. I there uh, like Canyon. I'm glad it wasn't just my VHS rip. Canyon has a line yeah. I did not hear at all. It was very hard to hear any of this. Um, so DDP says last week Saturn didn't beat him and on Monday they didn't lose in a six-man. He says Benoit cheated and the ref never counted three. A huge moment of force feedback. Um, DDP then pointing out that no one can keep track of the legal man when they show a replay from Nitro on the screen. That was very it's true. Really Having funny. seen that match start to finish, yeah. It's very funny. He's pointing out a thing that actually has been a problem in WCW for a long time is that no one in matches keeps track of the legal man. Yeah. Um, really exposing the business there. Thanks, Paige. Yeah. Um, they're putting the belts on the line on Saturday, on Sunday, which is funny because, like, again, for me, and it's a, just a like a little niggle, it's like the heels shouldn't be valiantly putting up the belt unprompted. Do you know what no. I mean? It's like, 
like they should be forced into yeah. it uh or or ha- you know have to because like they're, they're the, these guys are the number one contenders or whatever the easy way to and do then, it is to say we've been told we have to defend these on sunday yeah and for the first time on a on a show we've covered they hit uh one of my favorite sign off slogans yeah i like uh, this bada bing bada boom bada bang yep. excellent perfect uh, catchphrase for these three yeah and again this is 1999 sopranos yeah yeah. Like this is, do you know what I mean? Like this is, this is topical. So I topical like that shit. DDP said, uh, I called them the radicals because it was easier to write that down. He says, they don't yeah. stand a snowball's chance in hell of beating them. And Larry Zabisco apparently has never heard of a snowball. So he's never been to a bar. Well, yeah, no, it's it's only a golf ball. He's, he's, ne- <laughs> he's never been to a bar. He's never seen clerks or, you know, he's never seen snow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> In a row. And, <laughs> and as a man who... That's beautiful, man. Spent a lot of time in Minnesota. Like, I can't, don't yeah. believe he's never seen snow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, in a number of ways, I wouldn't believe that man's never seen snow. But we won't <laughs> oh, get into yeah. that. Fair. <laughs> <laughs> uh, singles match, Canyon versus Chris Benoit. Uh, Benoit looking his usual delighted self to be here and all these shenanigans. Yep. Uh Corner charges from Canyon reversed, and he did this brilliant moment where Benoit reels back to give a chop, and he's like, fuck this, gets out of the ring. I like, so that's a running gag throughout the match. Yeah. Like, he doesn't, he doesn't, uh, uh, I like that Canyon didn't necessarily bail to the outside, he just sort of swabbed out of the ring. Yeah, Um, just just refusal yep. to be involved yeah uh, uh they do it they do it a second time he's like fuck this like evades another chop uh and baits benoit into chasing him around and then does the wcw classic when they go back in heel in first mm. baby face in second and gets clubbed on the back of the head as he slides under the bottom rope Remember earlier, everyone, when I told you to make a mental note of something? Well, today has been just handed a note mm. that WCW's executives say that Savage is not allowed on TV tonight. Yes. Yes. Um, like, they're trying to do the too dangerous for TV bit, and they have done it in the lamest way possible as two off-handed anecdotes from Mike Tanay. However, I can, I can also buy that he did actually turn up at the building, and they went, no, you slapped a woman on live TV last week. Fuck yeah. off home. Yeah. <laughs> Our lawyers or, will be in touch. Or alternatively, they had timed out that there would be a Savage segment at the end of the show. Also and possible. And lost the run of themselves. <laughs> Like, Flair ran over by five minutes or some <laughs> shit. Um, so, be- uh, so Canyon tries to post out of the corner. Benoit applies the brakes and finally chops the tits off him. Yes. Amazing. Uh, does the dis- one of my least favorite spots in wrestling where he blows snot on Snot him. rockets. I yeah, hate that shit. Awful. Hate it so much. I can't be doing with spitting. I can't be doing with any of that kind of thing. And it's even worse in, like, a post-COVID world. Oh, yeah. It takes on a new context. It's horrible. It? Yeah. Um, so we get then get another cut to the back as a rare Mikey Whipwreck sighting. Uh, Jimmy, uh, Jimmy Hart. I thought Mikey was already gone. Yeah, but no, he's still here. Uh, I and do it's, believe. It's even made a point of uh, by Jimmy is like you're never on TV. <laughs> I do believe he gets injured in the Scrap Heap Challenge, and that is his final WCW oh, match. And he's I am back in ECW able, by the end of the year. I am not going to be able to not call it the Scrap Heap Challenge. Sorry, man. This is I entirely. <laughs> <laughs> um. 
So uh, Team Madness are apparently losing it backstage that they're they're not involved tonight. Uh, Canyon cuts off a comeback with a sit-out Alabama slammer that looked cool. Well, firstly, he smacks Benoit in the head with the title belt at ringside. Yes. And when the ref comes to challenge him, he's just cradling it and kissing it. Yeah. And then he stands up and directly into the camera goes, oh my, that hurt, because he's still selling the chop. <laughs> if you don't think... Chris Canyon was a genius. I think less of you as a human being. He's, honestly, he's. I was like watching this and watching the previous Thunder and watching like the Six Man on Nitro. He's fifteen years ahead of his time. Mm-hmm. Like if he come came around now, he would be more accepted as a worker for the stuff he does. Yep. And, he, and I think comedy. he would still be innovating, Mo. Yeah, and he would be more accepted as a person. I think yeah. oh, as well. Yeah. Like he 100%. would be able to be open about his sexuality yeah. and that kind of thing. He would be fucking scissoring with the acclaimed every Wednesday night. Yeah, he would. And he'd, like, oh god, uh, he'd be so good as part of that act. And that's exactly where he'd be working. Like, yeah. you think about the amount of people in that company that like he helped break into the business. Mm. Like, the one that shocked me after he died that like spoke about how he helped him get a leg up in the business was Brian Cage. Yeah, like because I knew about his association with the Young Bucks. But I, d- I don't think I knew about the Brian Cage links until Darkseid mm. uh, did the episode in Canyon, which was really good. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he's just like such a great... And again, I'm so... I mentioned it last week of the show, but I'm so giddy that we're only months away from Positively Canyon. Yes. I just... <laughs> as soon as the Canyon cutters start, I am going to be in heaven. Random Love Canyon cutters in the background of like the outside shot of the arena and that kind of and thing. I- and I'll tell you, like one of the like it, it one of the things that made me maddest in the invasion was that like I love DDP and making him into like a creepy sex stalker. I hated, I hated, I hated. Mm. But that whole storyline, Canyon, fabulous. Yeah, with his Alliance MVP T-shirt, and no one took an "I'm scared" ass whooping like that man. Just tremendous human being. Yeah, tremendous. Yeah. Uh, the he deserved so much more in life and from the business, but yeah, sad, sad story. Very much. So. Um, he is. Uh, he yeah, he is fabulous in this match. Um, we get uh Benoit hitting a gnarly looking dragon suplex. Then shortly after, hits like just the most like like just a superplex that he just somehow puts a little extra sauce on and they both like bounce off the match. It is possible to say many many bad things about Chris Benoit as a person. Mm-hmm. As a wrestler, he was amazing. And yes. Like, his... I dislike the signature bump. I don't like wrestlers having a signature bump. I've gone off on this on Mussy matches several times. I yeah. do love the Chris Benoit superplex that's delivered with so much force, he himself yeah. bounces up over onto his stomach and has to sell it. Yeah. 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 Um. So, Benoit goes up top, but uh, Bammer crotches him. Um, Saturn out to take him out. Um, back in the ring, crossfaces in. Bamam tries to headbutt him, headbutt him, but Benoit moves. He hits Canyon. Benoit hits a headbutt of his own. Uh, Page. So while this cover happens, Page does like I've said on this show before. One of my favorite dumb tropes in wrestling is people being trapped and unable to get out of the ring. Yes, they're so scared they forget how to get in and out of the ring. I'm putting right up alongside how much I enjoyed that. Like, I, I very rarely recommend a moment or a match from Thunder, but if somebody can get a clip of Diamond Dallas Page getting tangled in the bottom rope trying to break up this pin unsuccessfully, 
I will sort just, you out as soon as we finish this call. It's a 10 out of 10 I, comedy performance. Yeah, I called it an absolute doofus heel masterclass in getting caught in yeah. the ropes. Superb you know and perfectly timed. I, these spots happening within one week, like there's a certain like comedy fraternity between this moment and the moment from the pay-per-view on Sunday where uh swerve's hands get kicked off yep. the ropes and he does the wily e. coyote like and i was even watching it. for it in the replays on dynamite like the amount of reps he gets in on that scrabble oh it's yeah. so good it's proper roadrunner <laughs> yeah. like it's it's i uh, loved it mm. and there is that proper like cartoony comedy timing to it like it is a genius way to play off. Like he obviously leapt in with a bit too much enthusiasm and would have broken the count. Mm. So he's just like, he thought very quickly as like, what's the way to like not break up this count yeah. and look like a doofus heel in the process. And he absolutely yeah. nailed Perfect. it. Um, so he then hits a cutter on Benoit after the bell. He hits a cutter on the ref for no fucking yeah, reason. I don't know if the ref knew that was coming. <laughs> yeah. Saturn then stomps on page. Bam Bam squishes Saturn, and then we get the greetings cutter, as I call it. Diamonds from Asbury Park. Diamonds from Asbury Park yeah. is pretty good. That's that's a that's like a lesser spotted Bond movie now. <laughs> yeah, it is. Um, yeah. Um, the triad stands tall. We then get our main event of the evening as Conan with B.A., Rey Mysterio Jr. and Swole face Kurt Hennig with Barry Windham, Big Bob Com, and Kendall Windham. You did not get the clips of Goldberg's return on Nitro then? No, because this is... I had, I wrote this... <laughs> my very last note is, hey, remember we were supposed to see Goldberg returning? Yeah, I guess it's because it contains the Megadeth performance. That will do So it. They, it's the last 30 seconds of the song, and then mm-hmm. uh, the lights go out for a long time, and Goldberg yells, I'm back! And the lights yeah. come up, the smoke, the, the stage is filled with smoke, and he's there, topless, in jeans, with fucking enormous traps on him. Um, and Amazing. then they just cut the lights again. Love that. Man. So the way it's set up, it would be super easy for a WWE production intern to just cut the Megadeth performance off and put, do the, put the Goldberg back. clip in. Yeah. 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 You you need to celebrate the man's return from filming Universal Soldier Two. You do. Is it Universal yeah. Soldier Two or Universal Soldier: The Return? Because that Universal Soldier has forked Ooh. sequels. Oh, I'm not sure. Then. Yeah. Well, we're going to be watching it for the show, so I, we we will be feeding back once this film yes. premieres. There are multiple multiple sequels to Universal Soldier. Uh, the dweeb cowboys are out. Fucking Barry Windham in full camo is incredible. <laughs> Yes. Leftover from his stalker wardrobe, I guess. Um, Yeah. uh, Before uh, this, though, I wrote an explosion in an explosion factory goes off on the stage to signal that it's time for the main event. I love the main event. It's like, what do we have left in the pyro budget? Fuck it. This is also the week of July the 4th, though. Yeah. 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 You got to go hard. Um, You got to go hard. So something that watching this lot and something I've noticed before how much Bobby Duncan Jr. looks like he's another Wyndham. Yeah. It's really hard he, to tell him and Kendall more, apart. He looks more like a Wyndham yes. than Kendall Wyndham does, yes. I, in my opinion. I ended up calling yeah. him, uh, calling Duncan WTR hell, hair, fucking hell, for my own joke, <laughs> and, and Kendall WTR balding. Because <laughs> that's the only way. When they've got Great their cowboy stuff. hats on, like it's and yeah. from the back, as they are mostly shot in this, it's so hard mm. to tell them apart. 
Uh, K-Dog is wearing a shirt that says K-Dog R.I.P. Yeah, what? I, yeah, I don't know. Uh, and then I'm assuming this is the person you were referring to earlier in the show. The fucking size of Chase Tatum. Oh, so I wrote uh, Conan is accompanied by a small child, a road dog impersonator, and a full bedroom <laughs> yeah. furniture department disguised in camo. <laughs> These men are huge. This is, this is the first time the No Limit Soldiers showed up i was like this is a group of hilariously proportioned men four by four was the one who got me <laughs> there's yeah I presume there is like he's called there's big swole yeah there's there's just chase yep. tatum there's a uh, ba and there's what's what's his name four by four he just said four by four who is the man that's shaped like an inverse triangle i yeah. well i don't even know if he's he's that um i assume he's called four by four because he's the size of 16 ray mysterios Okay, then maybe it's well, maybe it's swollen. Um, There's one of them that basically there are, like, there starts are... off real wide and tapers down. Dramatically. Oh no, four by four doesn't taper. He's okay, proportioned. So that's, that's he's proportioned then. like a Transformers toy. It looks like he was a four by four and he's just changed into robot mode before walking out. Mm. But all of these men are, as Lee would say, fridges. Yeah. I I I um caught sight of chase tatum for the first time when me and aaron did saturday night recently mm. and somehow in that two-week span he has now joined the no limit soldiers <laughs> it's just like genuinely like they were backstage and it's like what are we missing as like we've got a fridge mm. we've got the inverse triangle we've got an armstrong the one thing we're missing is someone shaped like a rectangle. Yeah. <laughs> and that's him. He is just like any any part of this man's anatomy that could be beefy was in fact as beefy as a like this is all the sliders on your creator wrestler up to ninety nine. Yes. Apart from the uh, head, which was at three. Apart from the head. Yeah. Apart from yes. the head and the hair. I, I yeah. would contend that all of these men carry much more meat than Al Green earlier. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I'll, I'll give you that. Um, Conan actually, like, and you can tell this was, a, he knew this match wasn't going along, but Conan was bouncing around at a clip yeah. for once. Yeah. Uh, he, so you, that, that's how you calculate, because, like, he moves like a fucking glacier. Not like glacier, <laughs> like a glacier. <laughs> I would never disrespect glacier like that. Yeah. Um. So he hits a DDT. Uh, goes for Kendall on the apron, but Hennig jumps him. Then they get the heat. Hennig pops up like fucking Morningwood. He is up so yeah. fast after this DDT. There's something about like this whole angle that like Hennig is like a man reborn. Like he looks like he's actually enjoying himself, mm. whereas he's really just been sleepwalking since, like I said, like understandably since Rick Rude died. Mm. Like that kind of I think took a lot of the wind out of his sails in terms of like enjoying himself in wrestling. Mm. Um, but he seems to be like just has a, has a new lease of life here uh, with these fucking goofs. Mm. Um, rolling clothesline from Conan to cut him off. Hits a face buster. Uh, Hennig drags Conan through the ropes to the floor and everyone starts brawling yep. again and again. Another brawl that's massively over with the crowd. Uh, inside the ring, Conan attempts to lock in the Tequila Sunrise, uh, but Wyndham hits Conan with the cowbell and Hennig wins. I then... Did not describe blow by blow what happens next. I just wrote chaos. Uh, um, I wrote WTR head for the hills as Tanae does the final pay per view shill. Yeah, the dorks celebrate and trash talk on the ramp, <laughs> singing along with the song. And this is where I realized I never saw Goldberg. <laughs> so I think about the rolling clothesline. I'm not sure if it's Regal, Fit, or Taylor who tell the story of the first time they had to wrestle Conan. 
Okay. And he told them, watch the clothesline as he whipped them into the ropes. And as they hit them and turned round, he was nowhere to be found. They couldn't see him because he was in the middle of the roll. And then they just got a bicep in the face as he popped up off the mat. I mean, he did tell them to watch the yeah. clothesline. Yeah. Uh, so, this sucks. Karen, yeah, this this is this is bad. I, to be honest, in terms of show structure, I'd have swapped this and the Benoit Canyon match over so the show ends on a good mm. match. And yeah, yeah. I would also argue that a company's world tag team title should be held in greater esteem than a bunch of goons fighting over music genres. Look, I, I'm just going to tell you is uh, if you are hoping for any sort of prevalence to the world tag team titles, you are watching the wrong program. Well aware. Having been a, <laughs> yeah. a, a long-standing WCW fan, I am well aware that the tag team yeah. title very often gets short shrift. They are less of a title and more of a bit mm. uh, in, in this company. I mean, but... they are belts as props even before mm. Russo shows up, aren't they? Yeah. Particularly in 1998. Mm-hmm. Mm. We are now at the end of uh, Thunder episode 70. So before we go to our little game, mm. I must ask you, who are your winners and losers? And what did you think of the show overall? Overall, I really quite like this show. Mm. Like, I think... I mean, when we, I knew what I was in for when I said, hey, do you want a hand? And to be honest, yeah. I thought you were going to go, yeah, come on one of the Patreon shows. And you were like, no, 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 come review Thunder with me. And I'm like, okay. I, was literally, I had literally just had a conversation an hour previously with Lee going, oh, yeah, no, I must actually like send out a message <laughs> in the, the VOW Slack to see if somebody, and then manna <laughs> from heaven, you came into my DMs. Um, I honestly. Like maybe, may, maybe the most regrettable DM slide in the history of Twitter. Well, I don't know. <laughs> like, um, I got a live show, I got a pay per view yeah. go home show. Yeah. Benoit versus Canyon was genuinely good, like a good 10-minute wrestling match. Um, to some extent, Disco versus Kidman was as well until they made Kidman look like a fucking idiot at the finish. Um, even Hammer and Al Green kept things within their wheelhouse and didn't shit the bed, and their finish yeah. looked really good. Because yeah. um, apparently, you know, Al Green got an extra tenner for every inch he jumped off the mat. Um, yeah. I did not like that every match had a run-in. Um, not to undercut Ludwig Borger's spot at the end of this show, but I think there was interference leading to a finish in all six matches. But it's 1999 television wrestling, and you're trying to build every match has something that leads into something on the pay-per-view. So you're trying to show the conflict to get those buys. Um, yeah. Overall, though, perfectly happy with this show. Winners and losers? Yeah. Canyon, in capital letters, best thing on the show. Um mm-hmm. Yeah, I give it. Uh, uh, possibly even more so had his microphone worked. Um, mm-hmm. And the triad in general, I'll put them in the winner's column. Uh, begrudgingly, Chris Benoit, because he was also yeah. good in that match. Um, and you might laugh at this one, Lenny Lane. I thought he I performed know, you know, perfectly well in that opener. Um, yeah. He got more over as a character, and him and Lodi were like given something by beating Guerrero, even in the way they beat him. Like it works for their it worked for their characters and their spot, yeah. And now, like oh, they've sure. got something they can hold over people. We yeah. and the, it will be we. We beat Eddie Guerrero. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> losers. Uh, Kidman for being made look really silly at the end of his match, where he just he wins by disqualification because his opponent's enemy kicked him in the head. Um, <laughs> smart guy Nash for booking himself into a dumb stiff in his own title match. Yeah. Uh, and David Flair for being a gormless wazzock. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 
Um, yeah, before we get into the uh, the prediction game, mm. I will say that the Finnish counter brought to you by Ludwig Borga was a bit more generous than you mm. were in terms of what, what constituted leading directly to a finish. So we had six matches, one clean finish, two disqualifications, <laughs> and three interference leading directly to a finish. It's still not a good booking sheet, though, is it? No. <laughs> So, unfortunately, Kieran, you're in the unenviable position of being in Lee Malone's chair on a go-home show for a pay-per-view, which means it is incumbent upon you to guess the card (laughs) for Bash at the Beach 1999 based on three episodes of television you've watched. So, How many matches are there? Can you leave more. I, I will tell you that. Uh, You you kind of, in some ways, you have more context because you've actually seen some Nitro. Than, than we usually have. But in terms of quantity of show, you have less. Uh, I will say there are eight matches on this program. I might have them all then. Ooh. Okay. Well, I would like to tell you about the uh, the dark match, if I may. Go ahead, please. There is a dark match that, like, so there are dark matches in all these pay-per-views, but seldom are they rec- see, do they seem to be recorded. Uh, this one is recorded on both Cage Match and Wikipedia. Um, and uh, stop me if you know any of these names. Uh, I believe it's, yeah. Uh, C.G. Affey and Jeremy Lopez defeated Jamie Howard and Jet Jaguar. I've heard of Jet Jaguar, but I don't know why. Okay, so Jeremy Lopez and Jet Jaguar are best known by those names, mm. but the other two wrestlers are not. Is Jamie Howard um, Jamie Noble? He is. And who was the other one? C.G. Affy. That sounds like someone has made a very bad anagram out of someone's actual name, but I can't uh, place. <laughs> this is a man who would later go. Well, could I could I uh, give you the hint of saying this man very famously broke his arse? Is it Johnny the Bull? Oh, actually, sorry. Did, yeah, it was Johnny the Bull that did it. No, it's Tony Mamalik. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I could think of three people broke who broke their asses, and the other was one like, was X Pack. <laughs> for a second, I was like, "Did he break his arse as well?" But no, you're right. It is Johnny the Bull. So it's Tony Mamalu. Uh, okay, uh, is a CG Afi, and I thought that was very good. Mm. So you have got uh, a grand total of eight matches right. to guess on this show. Now, I will say, I will be nice to you in that in one of them, you don't have to guess all the participants. <laughs> I think you may know which one yeah. I'm referring to. So I think we have uh, yeah. Randy Savage and Sid Vicious versus Kevin Nash and Sting, where whoever pins Nash will become the champion, even his own partner. That is number one. Yes. World tag title, Triad versus Saturn and Benoit, and I believe it's DDP and Canyon as the champion team. Mm-hmm. Uh, no Limit Soldiers versus... Well, it is, it's, it's, it's officially a handicap match with all three of is them. Is it? Okay. Yes. Hmm. All right. Uh, no Limit Soldiers versus West Texas Rednecks or The Cowboys, as Tenet keeps calling them on commentary, in an elimination match, four on four. Mm-hmm. That is three. Uh, TV title, Rick Steiner versus Van Hammer. That is four. Uh, Buff Bagwell versus Roddy Piper in a boxing match with Mills Lane as the referee. That is uh, unbelievably specific and accurate. Uh, although Tony Schiavone on commentary on Nitro says it's a, a quote, taped fist type match. So who knows what you'll actually end up seeing. I've seen Bash mm-hmm. on the Beach 1999, by the way, a long time ago. I remember none of this. Okay. Uh, US title, Dean Malenko versus Gormless Dave. 
correct. Six. Disco versus Zero. cat. Go to. Yes. And then scrapyard challenge, uh, mm-hmm. which I think, I think I've got. I think it's fifteen people. Do, do you think you? Have I don't them all? have all of them. Okay. Right. Uh, uh, I, I thought Bigelow was in it, it, so I'm going to have to cross him out. I think I have. Bigelow is not in it. No one. I, I'll give you the number. I have the number here. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen. I think I've got eleven. Okay. Hack. <laughs> There's one of them. I will be stunned. Possibly <laughs> two of them. I'll be stunned if you have them. Okay. So hack is in there. Uh, Brian Knob. Brian Knob yep. is there. Uh, Mikey Whitbreck, I know. Mikey Whitbreck is there. Uh, Dave Finley. Dave Finley is there. That's four. Steve Regal. That's five. Dave Taylor. Darren from HR. Yes, that's six. Uh, Hugh Morris. Yeah. Jerry Flynn. Mm-hmm. Fun note about Jerry Flynn. He was in FMW's first ever no rope exploding barbed wire match. I discovered recently. Uh, useless Horace Hogan. Mm-hmm. La Parker. Mm-hmm. Silver King. They're mm-hmm. the ones I've written down. I think Psychosis might be in it. Uh, he is not, ah, but I thought was... Cyclope is. I knew there was at least one other luchador. And then, yeah. I mean, after that, it's just Pickham from the morass that was the WCW uh, roster in 1999. I can't remember if you said Hugh Morris. Yes. Okay, so the ones I'll have, I'll read out the ones I have before the, the ones that are absolute shockers to mm. me. The two, the final two. Uh, Fit Finley, Brian Nobbs, Cyclope, Dave Taylor, Hack, Horace, Hugh Morris, which sounds like a run. Yeah. Uh, Jerry Flynn, La Parca, Mikey Whipwreck, Silver King, Stephen Regal, and Flyboy Rocco Rock and Johnny no Grunge. No way. I thought they were gone. Yes. The children are going to emulate the grunge one last time on pay-per-view. <laughs> oh, man, I thought they were gone. <laughs> well, they might as well be. They're in the scrappy challenge, So mate. I thought there were more matches on this show because I also wrote down Eddie Guerrero versus a luchador, question mark, and then cruiserweight title match, who the fuck is the champion anyway? <laughs> what do you think this match got out of 10 on cage match? The scrap heap challenge? No, this whole oh, show. Oh, the whole show? Oh, God. Yeah. If it's higher than a four, I will be shocked. Well, you're not going to be shocked because it's 1.8. Holy shit. <laughs> the lowest rated match being uh, the boxing match, which got a 0. 0.5. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. It inexplicably goes for seven minutes. But I'm delighted to see one thing you didn't get about the... Uh, I didn't hear you say mm. anyway about the boxing match is that the boxing match marks the return in Buff Bagwell's corner of one Judy Bagwell, former WCW World Tag Team that Champion. That does get mentioned in Piper's promo, doesn't he? He's talking about you're going to have your mama in your corner and one of Tyson's opponents, whoever it was, had his mama in his corner. And that leads into the, mm. I'm not going to bite your ear off, yes. I'm going to bite your whole head offline. Yeah, yeah, so... Wow, what a show. What a pay-per-view we have on offer. Can't wait. Yeah, I've got to say, I would not be chucking down the $29.95 for that. Yeah, yeah. I feel like this is going to be one where Lee's like, oh, actually, no, I'm not I'm not actually back yet. <laughs> Am I back again in I'm two mir- weeks? <laughs> mir- miraculously back for episode 71 then. <laughs> um Thank you so much, Kieran, for being on the show. I had a I had a great time chatting with you. Um, before we hit the road here, though, uh, give us uh, some plugs. Where can people follow you and uh, listen to more of what you do? 
So uh, Mark Bockerdy and I present Must See Matches every week. That is a podcast covering the top 104 uh, matches wrestling fans think other fans need to see, as crowdsourced by Mark on Twitter. Uh, Dave, as he mentioned earlier, recently made his third appearance uh, to talk about his pick of Johnny Gargano versus Andrade Cien Almas from TakeOver Philadelphia. Uh, this weekend just passed, we just dropped our episode on Bret Hart versus Mr. Perfect from SummerSlam 91 with Arnold Furious as the guest. On Sunday, we are skipping ahead one year for more Brett SummerSlam, and this time it's the British Bulldog match from SummerSlam 92 at Wembley Stadium. Topical. Timely. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and Alan Cheapshot is in the guest seat. Uh, that has been recorded. Oh, it sad. goes through the editing process tomorrow and will go up on Sunday. G- a great time talking to Alan. Was there was there any Big Daddy for Hall of Fame chat? There was uh, Big Daddy did get mentioned by me, okay. uh, but oh really? Yeah, but there was no oh you stole Alan's no off chat. I thought I'd get in there quick. Yeah, um, you can find that on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music. You could lift a rock and find it. It's probably an episode on the bottom of your shoe. We are everywhere. Um, if you're really struggling, you can go to linktr.ee/slash must see matches for all the ways to subscribe. We are at Must See Matches on Twitter, Instagram, and Mastodon. Uh, and if you really want to follow someone complaining about the booking holes and terrible camera work of AEW every week, you can follow at Kieran Edits on Twitter. I also want to drop in that last weekend, if I may, I was on another episode mm-hmm. of GCP uh, where Andy and Ogden and I uh, reviewed more of the steaming dumpster fire that is the 1999 British wrestling TV show UWA Wrestling Rampage, which... Ooh. Did scrapyard matches before the junkyard invitational? Oh, Their wow. matches were taped before the one you're going to watch. The original scrap heap challenge. It's, yeah, and I think we did call that on the show, so I've kind of stolen a joke. Um, <laughs> uh, no, it's continuity. Yeah, it is. Um, what it is. And it's real interesting, like noting the influence of this era of American wrestling television on the only mm. British product that was on TV at the time. It is messy as fuck. Um, so that show is available from all good podcast supermarkets as well and can be found at GCP Podcast One on Twitter. Uh, I have called that part of my note the Excalibur bit. <laughs> yes, we're very, very expertly handled. Altogether. I can take the mask off now. Uh, yeah. Thank you so much, Kieran, for, for joining us. I'm sure we'll have you back on again um, at some stage. Um, it was uh, yeah, it was a great chat uh, and it helped me get through what I you know in fairness wasn't one of the worst episodes of Thunder we've ever seen it was it was perfectly watchable so uh, thanks to everybody for listening we'll see you again in two weeks uh, on the free feed one week on the Patreon feed at largemanappears.com uh, bye bye be safe thanks everyone for listening to another episode of Days of Thunder Days of Thunder was produced by Lee Malone and edited by me Dave Ryan Keep up to date with the show and find all the ways to listen to us. You can follow us on Twitter at WCWThunderPod or click the Linktree link in our Twitter bio or in the show notes. I am at the Day to Dave on Twitter and Lee is at Malone underscore 713. Days of Thunder is a part of the Voices of Wrestling podcast network. Follow the VOW network anywhere. Good podcasts are sold for more fine podcasts than you can shake a stick at. Thanks. Can you hear the thunder?
Hey everybody, my name is Jesse Collings, and I want to tell you all about my show, The Gentleman's Wrestling Podcast, here on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. On The Gentleman's Wrestling Podcast, we do a thorough analysis on the biggest issues and trends within the pro wrestling industry. We talk a lot about pro wrestling media, we talk a lot about fan culture and wrestling's place within general pop culture, and we talk about the broader influences that are shaping the way we discuss and analyze the pro wrestling industry. We've had some of the brightest minds in the pro wrestling intelligentsia on the show, including WrestleNomics host Brandon Thurston, both Rich Krejci and Joe Lanza from the Flagship Wrestling Podcast, Trevor Dame from the Through the Years Podcast, and a whole lot more. This isn't a show for hot takes. It's not a show recapping the latest episode of television. This is a show focusing on the biggest topics in pro wrestling and doing a deep dive on the real stories behind the surface level analysis you might find elsewhere. The Gentleman's Wrestling Podcast is available wherever you get your podcasts, and we'd really appreciate it if you gave us a try. Thanks.